1: What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Woo! Yeah! I'm old as fuck! Uh,
2: (laughs) Grandpa.
1: So we have pretty close birthdays, by the way. We do. But guys, today we're going to be doing a pretty big episode. We're going to be doing three movies in what we're calling Alex's Birthday Poltergeist Trilogy. So we're going to be talking about all three in the trilogy, and no, not the TV show that had nothing to do with it,
2: and no, not the remake from 2015. Right, I'm not doing that either.
1: <laughs> oh God, no, no, I'm not doing that. It's kind of uh, my birthday already. Uh, it was this past weekend for you guys and uh, I probably already had a stream that I hopefully didn't get too shit face drunk live on fucking the internet. You did. Uh, this yeah. is future. I have a, yeah.
2: This is future you coming through me. You future did. Alex, I hope you're feeling better. Future Alex, you were a piece of shit. <laughs> and then Alex. I got to
1: edit everything and fucking put it all together the next day. Like, fuck! <laughs> uh, but anyway, guys, yeah, I, I'm glad that you guys are here. We really appreciate you guys coming to the show every week. If you could do me one birthday miracle share this episode with everyone you know mercilessly like put it on an audio tape and then slip it under the fucking stall of someone's you know taking a shit at the local denny's like just anyone that you can find
2: <laughs> or you can just pull a john cusack and put it on a boom box on your shoulder
1: oh god yeah there you go just put it on your shoulders like two like the guy in fucking the, the hobo with a shotgun yeah there you go ivan ivan and slick
2: yeah. Slims,
1: yeah like. dude just uh do that put it on a school bus let them hear all the goodness that you're, they're missing before they get old enough to understand all the fucked up jokes that we're saying so <laughs> t- how have you been though how's things going with you man
2: good yeah I picked well- up some kind of a bug when I was in LA so. oh yeah how was the how
1: was the event
2: <clears throat> it was fun it was really fun actually yeah? this is like their best dark this is like I think the third maybe the fourth like dark circus that they've hosted okay um and this was the best one by far so I mean nice. it was fucking packed. There were so many people there; it was a blast.
1: And Brittany's sick, by the way, guys. So don't don't uh, begrudge her.
2: <sighs> yeah. For
1: her voice, she was really worried about it, but I don't think it's that bad.
2: It's not that bad yet. We'll see once we get to yeah. midway through movie two. Once
1: we're into like hour four or five, guys, like you'll you'll understand. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> I just looked at him and shook my head to so say, "You guys know <laughs> we're gonna try to keep I'm this short." By that point,
1: <laughs> we're, we're not gonna be doing the news today. So just so you know. I went to uh, see Ready Player One, which is torn the audience of who's seen it in half. It seems like the only people that really like it are like 30 to 40 year olds. Uh, Although I, I have heard younger people who really loved it, too. Personally, me, I think it's like a nine out of 10. And I was not expecting it to be good at all. I went in with super low expectations. And Christina said that while I was watching the movie, she was just watching me smile. And like, like, oh, 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 like those things in the middle of the movie. So (laughs) that's my opinion. I know some people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe they they tarnished the world with this cinematic bullshit. I've even heard people say the CGI thing, too. I'm like, well, it is VR. So, you know what I mean?
2: This is the kind of the movie that you expected. And I feel like and it it also
1: is in the future. So you would think that, like, maybe the graphics would be a lot better. (laughs) I, the, the graphics are good, Whatever. I'm just saying. I'm like, excited to see wouldn't it. Wouldn't it be photorealistic? I'm like, pretty
2: sure I'm going to like it, so then someone in, in their 20s will have said they like it. and you, you got to go. let us know because I'm curious. You, I'm I seriously, sure I'm like I loved it.
1: Like, I get you, a
2: lady boner with every fucking preview. So It's
1: pretty much for anybody from the 70s to the 90s, I think, that could probably grasp on, but I think the sweet spot is those who grew up in like the 80s. Like, I think that's the sweet spot because they do talk about stuff like the Rubik's Cube. The Zemeckis Cube is what they call it. So I don't know. It's pretty cool to me. I enjoyed it. I fucking loved it. I'm definitely buying that. It's going to be a 4K Blu-ray, even though I don't even have a 4K TV. So
2: I have a 4K TV.
1: Yeah. Well, you're special.
2: I had to buy one. (laughs) Why? (laughs) That's like all there is now.
1: Nah, that's not true. I'm still okay you with 1080p and be
2: like what's 4K? What's well, like <laughs> I don't understand what this is and why do I have to buy it?
1: When it comes to like <laughs> gaming and stuff, like I just want a faster refresh rate for my monitor. Yeah. Like I'll take 1080p with like 140 some frames, you know what I mean? Any day over 4K. Sixty or thirty? Any of it? What's that?
2: You're speaking a foreign language.
1: (laughs) Well, a lot of stuff you will see.
2: Can I watch stuff on it? Well, do you watch YouTube
1: videos? Because a lot of those are in sixty frames per second. I do
2: now. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those. A bunch of my favorite drag queens have their own channels and they are their own series. Right. Shows on YouTube, so now I'm into it.
1: On YouTube?
2: YouTube. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So now I watch them like crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, there's a
2: Trixie new sh- <laughs> There's a
1: new show by the way that we need to watch or talk about or something. It's called The Terror and apparently Ridley Scott is like written this and it takes place what? in the Antarctic
2: Where and is it's like song? this
1: horror show called The Terror.
2: Oh, is I it I haven't on seen it
1: yet. Huh? Is it Netflix? Uh, no, 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 no. I think it's on like ABC or oh, something. It's like but it's like really kind of like decapitations and weird shit like Neat. creatures, like some people say that it's like The thing. I'm into it. So I've heard a lot of people talking about it, and I hope that it's good. They're like hour-long episodes.
2: I needed to stop sucking ER's dick and start watching other shit. Yeah. I know. Hone your
1: craft, Brittany. Hone your craft.
2: Fucking stuck, man. (laughs) I watched the movies we needed to watch, and I'm just fucking watching er so i'm almost <laughs> done <laughs> i say that and i still have like five fucking seasons <laughs> no i'm gonna watch uh serious unfortunate events this weekend though
1: nice did you get to see santa clarita
2: no i'm gonna watch that this weekend too okay probably you know
1: i've been a little interested to see it i know i made fun of you for it
2: everybody's skipping it really good reviews this year or so or this i heard it went too. like
1: really supernatural which like not just There's zombies the reviews are
2: hilarious like, That's all I've heard. I'm excited. Eh, it looks good.
1: It's too networky for me, mm-hmm. even though it's not.
2: It's, like, it's not at all.
1: I like, what's his name? Olyphiant or Olyphiant? Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant. Whatever the fuck. Bone that guy. Olympian.
2: Timothy Olympian. <laughs> Timothy <laughs> What's his
1: fucking name? I don't know.
2: <laughs> it's Oliphant. It's not even that hard. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I know he was in The Crazies. I remember that. He was like a good sheriff in there.
2: He's in lots of stuff. Yeah. He's dope.
1: But uh, yeah, guys, so uh, today we're going to go over the entire trilogy, one, two, the other side, and three, all for your listening ears now. So I hope you'll stick around for this. Obviously, we're only doing one episode a week each week, so if you have to break it into two, just listen to it on Thursday like we would normally do. Yeah. you know, It's probably going to be about a two-hour episode at at least, but uh, we are cutting out the news this week for that reason, because we don't want to make it too long, long. but... um,
2: I like my dick. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, your lady dick? <laughs> my lady dick. <laughs> All right guys, I think it
1: might be that time. Yes. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> oh oh Horse! All right. So, you know, being that the uh, that it is my birthday podcast episode week, I thought I'd put a spin on the movies that we were doing for a drink. Christina went to work on the Internet, thought about some different ideas, put her spin on it. I put a little bit more spin on it. And we came up with a fucking birthday poltergeist shot. So we're calling this one Party Geist. And uh, it's got a few ingredients that are going to be kind of interesting, as they usually are on the show. We put pudding in one. We've put oatmeal in one. Fuck. Why not? Uh, This one's actually not so bad. It doesn't sound bad, at least. I haven't tried it yet. Oh, I'm excited. I hope
2: you make enough for more than one, because I want more than
1: one. But the partygeist is to celebrate my birthday and also poltergeist. So it's like... A party ghost.
2: It's such a cute name. Yeah. (laughs) Go (laughs) me. So
1: what we we were basically, uh, what we're going to do, though, is we we included the ingredients in our post, but we'll tell you what they are right now. You're going to do four parts, okay? One part, Hurricane, Bacardi Hurricane. One part, Vodka. One part, Dad's Blue Cream Soda, or just regular cream soda if you can't find it. And then a small scoop of ice cream. So four parts make this... Party Geist.
2: Birthday cake ice cream.
1: Yes. Oh, birthday cake ice cream. Did I not say? No. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm a little birthday drunk right now. Birthday
2: cake off. ice cream and birthday cake vodka.
1: No, it's not birthday cake vodka.
2: Oh, it's just regular?
1: Yeah. So you want to add birthday cake vodka to it.
2: I fucked you up. Sorry. <laughs>
1: no, don't even apologize. I'm just an idiot. Um. No, but yeah, you're going to want to put birthday cake ice cream in this as the fourth ingredient and then that is a partygeist, and it is my birthday shot. So you're gonna fucking do it, and you're gonna fucking like it. Not you, Brittany. Sorry, them. I have to scold them like, every now and then. I am gonna like it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have to go get the ice cream, so I'm I'll be ready right back. To put
2: a partygeist to my mouth. <laughs> Jesus. I heard Christina say something.
1: Okay, guys. So, what you're gonna do first? You're gonna get your shots ready by getting the the cups that they're gonna be in, the little shot glasses or whatever you use. You're gonna put about a half a teaspoon of ice cream the birthday cake ice cream in the bottom next in one cup i mixed hurricane bacardi hurricane and vodka so a fourth of each and you pour it on top of the ice cream the ice cream will float to the top guys oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> then when you get your dad's blue cream soda you pour it on top it'll be a little fizzy
2: it's like it literally it looks like a dollop of um like phlegm that you hawk up when you're sick. No, it's it's that's it's, what it looks like. It's a it's a
1: glob of that's a fun. phlegm globber. It's a glob of BTV <laughs> it's a fun. A glob
2: of phlegm globber.
1: <laughs> All right, so we're gonna cheers and say they're here. Okay. Cheers. Cheers.
2: They're, they're here. Hmm. <sighs> yep, I knew I was gonna like that. That's really good. That ice cream is fucking bomb.
1: Yeah. No, the ice cream is really good. I, birthday cake ice cream is probably my favorite fucking type.
2: I don't even like birthday cake.
1: Really? Neither do I. That's the funny thing. I don't no like birthday cake. cake either, but I like the ice cream for I'm some not reason. I'm cake
2: person. Unless it's funfetti and then I'm going to eat the fuck out well, of it. I think all they
1: do is they take some like uh, the, the, the funfetti stuff, the like edible stuff. That's why I like it. They mix it in with the ice cream and then they put like a swirl of like ice uh, some sort of icing.
2: Yeah, it tastes like funfetti cake. That's why I'm like exactly. super into it. Because so, funfetti cake is my jam.
1: If I eat ice cream, which is very rare, that is one of the ones that I always like. So, But yeah, guys, if you want to try out a party geist uh, in celebration of the most important person in this world. Me. Uh, Brittany. <laughs> all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section. After the show.
2: We just confused everyone.
1: After the show. After! (laughs) But that's it for Horror Shots! Horror Shots! All right, guys. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes of Alex's birthday poltergeist trilogy right now.
2: Jump right in, I'm going to slap you all around with your ball sacks. We're going right into Poltergeist. That was released in 1982. Booyah! A young family are visited by ghosts in their home. At first, the ghosts appear friendly, moving objects around the house to the amusement of everyone. But then they turn nasty and start to terrorize the family before they decide that they're going to kidnap the youngest daughter. Bunch of pricks. I know, fucking assholes. (laughs) Uh, This movie was directed by none other than Toby Hooper, who was... Most wildly well-known for my favorite fucking movie that I'm going to mention every time I can, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He also did another movie called Night Terrors and The Fun House, and a metric fuck-ton of other movies that we're not going yeah. to get into right now.
1: Also, but there is a lot of debate around this as to who-
2: Actually directed, directed
1: it. Directed it, and right. a lot of people, even in the Entertainment Weekly this week, there was an article about Spielberg, <clears throat> and- uh, Looks like he may have. They were addressing it as though Spielberg actually directed it, but I don't know why that is. So I don't know if they just like because it feels like a still Spielberg film. Let's be honest. Like, right. I love Hooper. Don't get me wrong.
2: It doesn't feel like his. It doesn't work, feel though.
1: like his movie at yeah, all.
2: Yeah, I know. Like it doesn't. It feels more Spielberg. But and there's plenty of um, interviews with cast members that corroborate the fact that Steven Spielberg was more hands on. With the movie than Toby, um, right? Because To and, and Spielberg says himself that Toby's not really that much of like a like in your face kind of guy. He doesn't really take charge, right? And take control of things and situations. So he kind of you know there was a there was an issue that they ran into, which is why this has Toby as a director and not Spielberg. Spielberg wrote this movie. This is his baby. He did the screenplay and he wrote the story. Right. I mean, he's one of the writers on the screenplay, but he's he wrote the story for this. Right. So this is his fucking movie. It's just he couldn't do it at the time, so they brought on Toby Hooper. And, and there's
1: an interesting story we'll bring up later, by the way, yeah. about that.
2: Um, so, like we already said, it was written by, um, there's a couple of writers actually credited on this, but I'm going to talk about two of them. Um, Steven Spielberg, who did, like I said, the story and the screenplay. Um, he. I'm going to talk about other movies that he wrote stories for not so much what he's directed okay um because we all know movies that he's directed but this is more specifically for his writing credits Okay. he also wrote the goonies um a.i artificial intelligence and he wrote close encounters of the third kind Uh, another um writer credited to this is michael grice or grace g-r-a-i-s um who did the screenplay he's known for his work on death hunt cool world and marked for death um this movie stars Craig T. Nelson, who plays Steve Freeling, who I know from the show Parenthood, which was really popular a couple years ago and for, ran for several seasons. It was a really good show. But he's in Scream, Blackula, Scream. Another movie called Flesh Gordon, which I've never heard of in my uh, life, what? and now I You've need never to fucking heard of watch it? it. No.
1: Oh, dude, that's a trip, dude. That's during the time when they were doing weird movies, yeah, that were very sexualized in yeah. a way. Yeah, this is
2: around the same time as that scream, Blackyless scream. It's like right. this weird, like horror, very exploitation, exploitation movie. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's also in Ghosts of Mississippi and The Killing Fields. Okay. Um, primarily he does a lot of TV work. Okay. Um, but he has done some movie like movies too, but it was more early in his career. Okay. Um, it also has Joe Beth Williams. As Diane Freeling um, She has been in more recently A movie called Barracuda um, She's known really for Kramer versus Kramer Amongst other things And another film called The Dogs of War Barracuda She's another actress that ha- does primarily TV bits um, yeah. She's had roles on Law & Order SVU Numbers um, And a ton of other shit And she's done a lot of recent work too um, In different TV shows It also stars Heather O'Rour- O'Rourke who plays Carol Ann Freeling. Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Carol Ann, who was in um, the new Leave it to Beaver, Happy Days and Chips, and in all the movies for the Poltergeist trilogy, which we're going to find out later, (laughs) because we'll say her name a lot. Um, Also has Oliver Robbins, who plays Robbie Freeling, who was in Don't Go to Sleep, uh, an episode of The Twilight Zone, and he is um, working on a new movie that's in post production from 2017 called Celebrity Crush, which actually sounds pretty decent, and I want to check it out. Okay. Uh, I think like the premise of it is this like B movie, this B horror movie star that like they didn't anticipate becoming famous or whatever. I don't know. It sounds really cool. Last but not least, that I'm gonna mention, there's a lot of fucking people in this movie, um, but I tried to. Stick to a handful of them. Um, Zelda Rubinstein, who plays Tangina, um, everybody knows her from the Poltergeist trilogy, probably the most, and from Tales of the Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, um, she was also in a film called Anguish. And how I really know her is because she was the narrator for all the episodes of Scariest Places on Earth, which is, like, one of my favorite TV shows that has ever come out. Really? Okay. And she narrates every episode, and it's <clears throat> so cool. Like, the visuals for that show are incredible, and the stories that they tell about all these different haunted places are fantastic. And her voice over that to tell these stories is just perfect they couldn't have cast a more perfect person hmm. so if you've never watched it before I don't remember if it was MTV or VH1 I could be wrong it might not have been either of those networks but I used to watch it all the time growing up and I loved it okay um, it had a budget of about 10 million seven hundred dollars estimated what do you think opening weekend in the United States grossed
1: well I actually already know
2: but <laughs> Just take a guess. Pretend like you don't.
1: Uh well, I can't. How can I take a guess? I already know. Well
2: never mind. Alex knows. So opening <laughs> week in the United States, they brought home um, almost seven million mm-hmm. as of June or on June 6 eighty two, which was a wide release. Right. Um, and then the gross United States average was seventy six million million. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. Um so Alex. Hundred and twenty three point
1: six million. Worldwide. worldwide yeah, yeah it's which is great
2: which is fantastic yeah For like, it's time exactly for its time and then for the subject matter for the movie and what it is it's really fantastic right um you know and it's received tons of awards and nominations and you know you name it it's probably done it or had it or whatever um so i, I feel like i might want to ask you what your opinion is oh
1: yeah movie. maybe Maybe. Okay, well, yeah, I might. I mean, it is a birthday I didn't,
2: episode, so. I didn't, yeah,
1: I didn't think about it, though. <laughs> I
2: feel like you might want to talk. I us. might
1: have a thing or two to say. <laughs> you
2: might have to talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, first off, guys, I, I am a huge fan of this movie. It was a huge favorite of mine as a kid. Uh, there's just a lot to this franchise in general to me a little bit uh, growing up with it. Um, first of all, it gave me all equal parts wonder and scare at the same time as a kid growing up. And it preyed on my imagination in both of those ways, you know, like it made me wonder what was beyond this world while simultaneously making me scared of what is beyond this world or is between the veil of existence, which is pretty much why we named our podcast Beyond the Veil, by the way, why I named it that originally, because I am just infatuated with other dimensions, other w- worlds, what lays between the the veil, the thin veil. So beyond the void as well. But the first movie to me is probably the most charming and creative. Personally, I think it's next to impossible for me to not like it at all. Every time I watch it, it gives me not just nostalgia, but I appreciate it every time I see it. And I know some people don't like it because it's not rated R or whatever, but as we all know, us old fucks, a lot of those old movies really pushed the boundaries when it came to ratings because ratings were so new. Uh, But there's movies like The Conjuring, Insidious, and many others that have taken direct beats from this movie. And put it into theirs, if that gives you kind of any idea, you know what I mean? And as as old as the effects are, there is something so amazing about them that I fucking adore and love. They make you hunger to see more to delve deeper into the light or the other side or the spirit world, whatever you want to call it. Makes you uh I don't know, you would think with a movie about ghosts, it wouldn't be so physical, but it is, and it's fantastic because of it. Um, It's so different than a lot of the movies that you would see in the ghost world. Everything's always invisible. It's some sort of camera tricks. They do stuff like that in this, but it's got great practical effects mixed with a sort of claymation and composite, uh, superimposed, things like that. They do a lot of different tricks, uh, but I really like them. These are pretty great for their time as well. It was really advanced shit for the big screen you know Uh, another thing I like is while this movie may be based off real paranormal activity like a lot of the stories that are in it they kind of crank it up and make their own rules to it and make it this really fantastic thing like typically if you guys know poltergeist stands for noisy ghost in German it's not really supposed to be some sort of malevolent you know like spirit world trying to attack anybody but they kick it up to make it a little bit more interesting. And I really like that about it because it, it doesn't follow the typical ghost facts or haunts 100%. Instead, it takes you deeper than any movie before it. Uh, this, and, and also another thing I really like about this movie is it started the craze. This was like a huge craze for paranormal everything when this movie came out. It was like, you know, I'm sure them trying to figure out all the stuff, the factual stuff about it is pretty you know small back then. We didn't have the internet, first of all. You know what I mean? So we didn't really have that many people. Just maybe some books, maybe some like audio recordings. (laughs) Maybe some books. Some fucking real to real bullshit. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying. In a library. Um, but there's there's a lot of iconic scenes to it in this movie. I really just the things that just are just huge, iconic situations that they put themselves in. It's probably why this movie kind of stuck with me so long. It did other things that, you know, other movies hadn't done. It's it's got a myriad of different fucking styles to it. It's that what makes it an, an entertaining movie altogether to me. Like it's funny, cute, scary, smart, endearing. And, and and the acting in it is really great. Like, Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson are fucking great together. Like, they are the most believable parents, cool, like, hip parents. Great chemistry. Right. Like, it was just so perfect. Jill Rubenstein, uh, Rubenstein uh, Tangina, basically, is super weird and unique in the movie. Oh, Zelda. Zelda. Did I say Jill. what? Oh, I said Jill. Zelda Rubenstein, who plays Tangina. But yeah, Beatrice Strait, who is the paranormal investigator. She's like super warm and strong and just... Hurt fucking comedy and it is perfect. Um, there's like a lot of subtle movements that some of the actors do that make these like really great comedic beats. Like just like when they're in the kitchen and the chairs, the mo- the chairs moving across the floor, you like steps around the thing. <laughs> That's a, like physical like, comedy. I, <laughs> I, I fucking love that. Um, Heather O'Rourke, of course, was like super odd and unsettling, but also sweet and super innocent at the same time. I just think, I think overall it's probably, I don't know, just that movie in general goes to show you that you don't have to be rated R to be, I mean, it's, it leans into the more big picture movies, but it still has stuff in it that no other movie has ever really been able to do. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so fantastic. Like, and I don't mean fantastic from an enjoyment perspective. It's so fantastical, you know, that it's just above anything that anybody could even fathom at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Super creative, super imaginative. So that's what I think. Sorry, I have a lot to say about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about you, Brittany? Um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies, pretty much of all time. Honestly, really, uh, okay. I loved this movie as a kid. Like the first time I saw it, when I was really, really young. I remember being completely terrified of like one scene in particular, which in eventually turned into now i have a fetish for clowns so. oh yeah weird how that happens well, um
1: <laughs> if it's something if something scares you you want to fuck it
2: i had the fucking <laughs> like i was terrified of clowns as a kid fucking terrifying right. and like i mean and this this i wasn't scared from it it didn't scare me okay this did like that stupid fucking clown and poltergeist pisses me off and it still to this day makes me unnerved like still watching it I'm like ugh isn't it kind
1: of isn't it kind of funny how short it is that segment
2: yeah and I remember it lasting forever I know
1: right that's what I was thinking and Mouse and
2: I were like watching it and I'm all and it's like towards the end of the movie and I'm like well where's this scene and this scene and this scene I'm like I don't know where's all that and we're like oh apparently it's in the last like 10 minutes okay I don't remember that at all I remember this lasting the entire fucking movie when I was a child you know and he he felt the same and there was a lot of things that really scared him when he first watched it as a kid. And so watching it with him now was really, really fun. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. So they even mimic that.
1: that scene in Scary Movie 2. Yeah, yeah, It was with a dick. Stupid. Uh, like Ray Ray fucking had his dick wrapped around a clown and he was like ripping his claws under the bed. <laughs> it's
2: so great. He's fucking raping the clown. Yeah. <laughs> the clown's trying to get out. He's like, you want to play? And he's all, no! <laughs> like, no. No. If I remember correctly, like that's how it goes down. I mean, yeah. It's fucking great. But um, God, I love those fucking movies. I know those aren't horror, but I feel like we. Well, they say you know rape
1: is really not that funny unless you add a clown. So
2: yeah, then it's hilarious. And then
1: you rape a clown. And you rape a
2: clown. (laughs) Um,
1: A demonic rape clown.
2: But yeah, this to me this is just one of those films that stands the fucking test of time. Like. It's like now like there's parts that I laugh at that I didn't laugh at when I was a kid. Like that right. kind of stuff that kind of freaked me out. Now I'm like, Matt, that's stupid. <laughs> like, Or like you notice like and we'll talk about it when we get to favorite scenes. But like one in particular moment where I was, mouse was like, that's fucking scared me so bad when I was little. And then now it's just hilarious. Like right. it's but it's still fucking creepy and weird, you know, and like I just love um, you mentioned the uh, dynamic between uh craig and joe beth like their chemistry is insane yeah and they feel like an actual family unit it really does feel like a family unit and even in today's world almost
1: you know what i mean like
2: yeah like and once we get into trivia i have like a little bit like kind of about that actually like why they picked them too which i I feel is a little bit interesting when i read it i was like oh okay um but it does it feels very Realistic, like it feels right. like you know these people, or you are these people, or this was your family, or whatever, right. growing up. So, it was really interesting. Um, and this, I, I, don't know. I love this movie, so I was so excited when you wanted to do this trilogy. Because, yeah. like I said, I'd watch the first two, but I never watched the third. Um, and I don't, I, I don't. The first one, like nothing can touch the original. Yeah, like it can't, and I have zero interest in seeing the remake that was done in twenty fifteen. Oh,
1: you should watch it just to just to appreciate the I, first one, or I, the original. I
2: feel like I know a lot of people have told me that, but I just I wasn't on board with them doing the remake for this in the first place, um, and I don't know I. I have my own reservations when it comes to people remaking older movies that were perfect. Right. I feel like and why would you fuck with them? So it bothers me. But I mean, why not just make I've been, a, been burned like a so sequel. many times with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So all every they had time to they're do... like, Oh, we're gonna redo Texas- I'm gonna leave it the fuck alone. All they had to do <laughs>
1: is just make another sequel.
2: I agree. Like go keep going. Go number four whatever. You know right, what I mean? like, like this like, is the kids. Stop fucking. Like it's doing it's, it. it's
1: it's what's his name? Bobby? Robbie. Robbie, sorry. Robbie grows up and has a family, and now it's following him. Like, why didn't they just do that? Yeah, and they could have had all the same actors and everything. Well, done a completely new story.
2: That's the thing, though, is because they would be, they wouldn't be able to have a lot of the same actors. But I mean, they they could, but they wouldn't have Carol Ann and they wouldn't have the older sister. And but they did okay with two and three without the older sister. Right. You know, but, and they didn't even have Robbie in the third one. Right. Um, but I, I agree. Like, I feel like it should have been a sequel, another sequel. Like, why did it need to be?
1: Yeah. Well, you haven't even seen remake? it yet, so you can't even say for sure.
2: No, I know, but that's just how I felt. like, yeah. that, And that's still how I feel about it. Sure, like, yeah. And, like, you don't need to watch it to alone. know that, yeah. Like, just leave it alone. Like, yeah. just, that kind of shit just pisses me off. I'm like, stop, get your own creative original ideas and stop fucking, like, ripping off old shit.
1: Watching this again for me was so, like, warming- you know, was great. like it felt like putting on like, you know, some night like some
2: fresh out of the dryer socks. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Yeah. That's what it felt
1: <laughs> like. I felt like I was at home and I was like, oh, was man, nice. like, wow, this is like why I remember it. And there's so many like great moments in that movie. You know, like some of the acting for child acting, you can't go. You can't be too.
2: You can't be too harsh on
1: harsh it. Harsh on it. But, you know, because you can only get so much out of it. And it was like her first thing, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, she wasn't perfect, but she was good. She was creepy and she did some really good parts in it. Uh, but there's just something so endearing about it to me. I don't know. And I've heard other people say that it's not, you know, it's overrated and it wasn't that good. uh,
2: Well, they can suck a dick. I I
1: get it. like
2: That's my thoughts. (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, the first
1: one is just so...
2: Maybe it's not your favorite, but you can't fucking say this isn't a great movie. This is a great movie.
1: It's an all-around great movie. Like, if the first
2: time you ever watched it was now, in 2018 or in 2017 or 2016 or whatever, the first time you ever watched Poltergeist... And then you're like, why does everybody like this fucking movie? It's so fucking stupid. Well, yeah,
1: because you didn't grow up with all this stuff before it. Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing.
2: So it's like, uh, try and fucking put yourself back 20 years or whatever. It was ahead of its time. Figure it out, you know, like, I mean, I didn't see this shit until like the late 90s, early 2000s, and it blew my fucking mind. And this (laughs) came out in 82. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it was way ahead of its time from when it came out. They did a lot of fucking crazy shit that people didn't imagine was possible for them to do.
1: Right. You know, it and has it still great looks good people. to me today. It does
2: look good. And like, there's great people tied to it.
1: Like all the stuff that was falling out of the dimension, like mm-hmm. above the in the ceiling, like all the silverware. Right, and stuff. awesome. I, like it didn't even affect me. And I go, oh, well, that's just, you know, they did that. No, no, I was like, oh, cool, like, that looks good. Yeah, it
2: was The effects were way better in the first one than the second one, and the second one came out how many years later?
1: Yeah, two years. And yeah, so two years. Oh, no, these. it was four years. Oh, I
2: was going to say, like, well, still, they, they cranked these fucking out.
1: Yeah, pretty close together, yeah.
2: So, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately but yeah it does (laughs) right but yeah i don't don't know it's a fucking classic i don't care what anybody fucking says if you don't like it you're stupid that's my thoughts maybe you're not stupid but
1: you're wrong (laughs) it's your opinion it doesn't mean you're right It's the
2: wrong opinion but it's your opinion you can have it right so there's that everything
1: we say is true everything you say is wrong so not everything
2: you say (laughs) just if you don't like this movie you're wrong that's what i'm saying.
1: Fuck. So, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, supposedly, the movie is directed by Toby Hooper, but it has been since found that Spielberg actually helped direct. He was more a part of the direction than Toby Hooper was. And I, I don't think that that's something against him. And, you know, rest in peace, Toby Hooper. But I don't think.
2: He never contested it. It's been brought up many times when he was alive and he didn't have anything negative to say back about right. it. Right, yeah. He like, never contested it at all.
1: So I think, I think you know, it, it has the spirit of a Spielberg film more importantly. It
2: feels like a Spielberg Bill Yeah, film.
1: And, but it's so weird to me. Maybe he just didn't want to step on Toby's toes about it.
2: Well, he respects him.
1: Right, exactly. So that's what I think. I mean, there have been several stills that show that he did a lot of work on the film. You mentioned a lot of the actors corroborated that story. Mm-hmm. Several publications have also talked about him pretty much directing the whole fucking thing. Uh, but the movie was almost actually co-written with Stephen King, believe it or not. Really? Yes, as... Most people know, you know, Spielberg is a huge fan of Stephen King, even the Shining, Kubrick's uh, version, which Stephen King hates, by the way. Um, What? Yeah, Stephen King hates the Shining movie. Why? Because it's not what he wrote.
2: Oh, I can see that.
1: In fact, in the movie, in The Shining, I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times before. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, you're right. In the beginning
1: of the movie, when they go to the Overlook Hotel, you see a, a red Volkswagen on its side. That is where Stanley Kubrick was like, okay, this is my movie now, and I'll be taking it from here. Because Stephen King had a red Volkswagen uh, that he used to drive, and that was his way of giving Stephen King the middle finger. Like, this is my movie now.
2: That's smart, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's a dick move, Kubrick, but but but, (laughs) all right.
1: (laughs) But the interesting thing about that Stephen King almost wrote this, apparently they are both the same age. They both started out in film and writing and any other creative shit at the same time they both blew up at the same time when one was doing well in the in popularity the other one was doing really well popularity wise so it's it's kind of weird, and I guess in some way they wanted to work together for many 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 times, but we weren't as well connected back then as we are today. We could send somebody an email or a, a quick text, you know what I mean, and get their attention. But back then, Stephen King was working on something, and S- Steven Spielberg really wanted him to write, help write the story. Uh, so it almost didn't happen with at all, but I guess Steven Spielberg just took the helm with other writers and pieced together a uh, uh, one. So I I would be interested to see if they actually work on something in the future. That'd be awesome. So I mean, be Steven one Spielberg, hell of a fucking movie, right? He just put out this Ready Player One. Maybe the next movie will be something that Stephen King and him write. That'd, That'd be, be interesting. Well, Stephen
2: King's on fucking fire right now.
1: Right, that's what on I'm saying. Fucking
2: fire, like hit. They are picking up his shit left and right. Trying to right.
1: remake everything. Breaking yeah. out
2: shit all over the fucking place. The remaking
1: and- the Tommyknockers, the remaking fucking Pet Cemetery, the remaking fucking God, fuck. I, I wonder if we'll see a fucking Maximum Overdrive in the future. Ooh. I wouldn't mind. I personally think that's a good movie, even though Stephen King said it was shit. But leave- he was high on Coke the whole time, so that's probably why. I would prefer
2: they left The Shining alone, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> Please. Even though he hates it, I love it.
1: Them. But I just thought it was interesting to to mention that. So oh
2: yeah, for sure. Like ultimately, though, what led to Toby being the director mm-hmm. was um, Spielberg was working on E.T. Extraterrestrial right. and had a clause in his contract that wouldn't allow him to do it. Um, so he was impressed with Toby's work from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and ultimately hired him and brought him on to direct the movie. Um, so that's he is credited to direct it, whether he actually did a lot of the directing is to be questioned. It's questionable. It's, you know, it's I think Spielberg like just about, did a solid
1: for his homeboy. That's what it he is. He did
2: for sure. And this movie blew up, but yeah, fun stuff.
1: And, uh, and also in a really interesting thing you brought up Et Well, you know that Drew Barrymore was up for the role in Poltergeist.
2: Yeah. He actually wanted her to be Carol Ann. Um, but they, it was Spielberg himself that actually wanted somebody that was more angelic right? Um, to play that character. Um, so what ended up happening, though, was her audition for Poltergeist is what landed her the role in E.T.
1: So, you know, I was thinking about the mechanics of all that, the mental mechanics of that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how do you look at a child and go, well, that one's not innocent enough.
2: I know. <laughs> but, yeah. but I agree.
1: Uh, but how do you go and look at a child and go, hey, that one's kind of a whore. You
2: know? <laughs> that one looks all right. Yeah, no, I
1: mean, I'm not saying that he thought they were whores, but I just, <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, I,
2: I I thought the same shit. I when I read that, I was just like, "What do you mean you need someone more angelic?" I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" How I know, you, but like, how do you look at like a six year old right. and go, oh, "She's not angelic enough. I she mean, can't play this character." Yeah, like, I know. Like, please, it's kind
1: of weird that you would talk about it later. Right, I it's agree. just in a weird way. You it's, know,
2: it's strange, right? Uh, that one's got a
1: sloped face. I don't like it.
2: <laughs> this one's broken. Put it back. <laughs> yeah, this
1: this one's got a um droopy eye.
2: Funny thing, did you notice? that there's like this jump cut when um Diane is explaining to Steven about the ghosts moving the chairs.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean.
2: And stuff so there's this jump cut for those of you guys that don't know I mean Alex and I are you know pretty well versed in all this stuff before we like record it for you so we would kind of do this trivia like yeah it's just you guys. fun out
1: of our own interest
2: Um, but they, there's the scene where she's explaining to Steven about the feeling you get when the spirit pulls you across the floor right but there's this jump in the middle of the scene so she's mid sentence and the scene jumps to where they're at the neighbor's doorstep again mid sentence and it's this weird misconnection and you are like what the fuck like why did this happen right Right before that, she mentions like, cause the, the, I think it, I can't remember if it was Carol Ann or if it was Robbie that was like, she didn't even make dinner. It was Carol Ann. Yeah. mom didn't even make dinner. And she's like, well, it's fine. We'll get Pizza Hut, whatever. Right. So there's this whole rant that was in there about how he hates Pizza Hut. And they, so they, they released this, but obviously Pizza Hut fucking took offense to it. So they had to rather crudely cut out that entire portion of the scene, which is the explanation for those jump cuts. Right. Um, which I felt like would be fun to bring up to you guys. I hate Pizza Hut too.
1: You know what they should have just done? <laughs> it's I don't. I actually, growing up as a kid, I loved Pizza Hut. I loved sitting down at the at the restaurant. They had like the fire pit. That and was shit. never a
2: thing because I'm from California, so it was always round. No, table. We,
1: we had it. We had it was it.
2: always round table pizza for me. You guys missed out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I mean, I mean, I lived in Podunk, nowhere. So oh, I mean, you've
2: got all you got's Pizza Hut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like KFC. we didn't really have
1: that many choices. We had the like Green Valley carryout. Or some shit like which was like actually pretty good,
2: really greasy, but <laughs> it was actually pretty good.
1: Um. Uh. But what was I going to say? But yeah, like they could have just changed a word, like called a pizza shop, Shot, pizza, pizza pizza, <laughs> pizza spot, <slut. laughs> pizza spot. We why don't we just we'll just call pizza spot? Oh, I don't want to eat pizza spot. They could have just voiced it I over. I know,
2: but they instead they crudely fucking cut that entire fucking portion out. It's insane. I'm like.
1: Maybe they're already getting money from it. Probably. You know what I mean? They like, might, they're like, we'll give you a million. Have,
2: yeah, like that product placement. Product placement right. that you notice in movies. Anytime you actually see an actual product, they pay to put that shit in there. And
1: you know what, guys? Anybody that has an issue with, like, product placement, I mean, yeah, sometimes there's some pretty bad uh, placements. You gotta
2: get your money from somewhere. But you gotta,
1: do when you're making a movie, man, every dollar turns into four, Right. So it's like... You need it. Fuck you. You know what yeah, I mean? You like fucking
2: need it. When you actually want to make a movie and Pizza Hut approaches you and says, say our name in the movie at least one time and yeah. we'll give you $2 million. Well, like, sure. You're going to say fucking Pizza Hut whenever the fuck you want to say Pizza I'll Hut. I'll fucking
1: open my box as long as we're not, like, pointing it out and being like, ah, oh, Pizza Hut is delicious. Would you like to have a bite, honey? I sure would. Pizza Hut is the best.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you guys want some. You just pizza hear a hat? gunshot and yeah. then the, the box yeah. falls on the floor. Pizza. And everyone's hunt. dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Um, cute story. Okay. Like cute fun fact actually. Joe Beth Williams, um, who did that epic like swimming pool scene at the end when she falls in. Right. Um, she was super hesitant about shooting that scene, uh, because of the large amount of electrical equipment that was positioned over and around the pool,
1: Right, which I would be too. is
2: normal. I would be fucking terrified too. Cause I don't want to get fucking electrocuted. Um, in order to comfort her though, director Steven Spielberg actually crawled into the pool with her to shoot the scene.
1: Right. He jumped and right on in. He
2: told her now if a light falls in, we'll both fry. And the strategy totally worked, got her into the pool and she filmed the scene and it's one of the greatest fucking scenes in the movie yeah that and is a pretty cool scene I love that Like, love that story like I, I, that's like that's hands on fucking shit you know whenever what I, mean? I like
1: do you ever do this like it's so funny I'm sorry to derail this a little bit but whenever you're watching a movie and like an old movie and someone jumps in a pool or jumps in the water like carefree like wee I always go, oh shit! Their cell phone's gonna get wet.
2: Oh yeah. What about your phone? <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. Like, what the fuck I'm is he wait, thinking? It's
2: like eighty two. He's it's got not, like a
1: rotary phone like in thing. his pocket, you know? <laughs> like he's got a holster for it, a holster, like some sort of fucking like Bruce Campbell like
2: fucking. <laughs> oh my God! So, like, <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> Hello there. Can I speak to Alexander he Graham out Bell, his please? Fucking Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> you need to call Steve down the street. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Do you Tanner. know, uh, another Where's the part? T's? Where's the T's? Sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. Another
1: part uh, that I was thinking about, though, is that I'm pretty sure that they used real skeletons in oh, that they did. scene. They yeah. used
2: real skeletons in um, every scene that involved a skeleton.
1: In part one and two, In part I think. one and two. Yeah. And there's an
2: interesting, fun fact we'll talk about when we talk about part two, right. actually. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, they did. They used real skeletons. So in particular, where you really notice them first, is when she's in the pool, right? And the skeletons start coming up or whatever, and she's freaking the fuck out. Well, the actress Jo Beth um didn't actually know that they were real until after she already shot the scenes.
1: Right, it's fucked up. Smart
2: choice. I mean, they were all
1: clean guys. It wasn't <laughs> I like have
2: cared, but I she mean, was partying.
1: and She was in a pool party with real skeletons. Real so
2: fucking what? skeletons. If
1: there was like flesh hanging off them, that'd be one thing. But it's just you know. Yeah. pool party
2: pool party whatever <laughs> no big deal um excuse me we talked earlier about how there was this really great chemistry um between
1: Joe Beth and Craig
2: Yeah Joe Beth and Craig well Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper worked together um when they did the casting for those two characters they wanted virtually unknown actors to play the freelings um because they wanted to add actual realism to the family that would um off balance the ghost story Right They thought process behind this was that they felt that if the audience watched well-known actors, that it would completely take away from the realistic feel of the characters. Right. And they're completely right. Yeah? They were completely right. And like they, while both of them had pretty established careers at that point, they weren't well-known actors, and they weren't well-established careers. They had done Bit roles here and there, and not a lot of major motion pictures. So this was kind of the biggest thing that they had done.
1: Well, didn't Joe Beth do a little bit beforehand? She, she was kind did. of a she popular. Did think she did more popular. Kramer Kramer
2: was before, maybe um, this movie. But she was far more popular than Craig T Nelson was at right. this point. But still, I mean, she, they. They did a good job with it and I th- I think that they had great chemistry on their own but they did put a lot of thought into it when they did casting. Obviously they want to get people that draw audiences in mm-hmm. um because big name actors draw audiences in whether we would like to admit it or not they do. But they didn't they wanted it to actually play to the story in the in a positive way and I felt like they did it right. Right. So whether you know she might have been a bigger name
1: Well, they were just written perfectly. Like they they were were written, and they acted perfectly. I think, honestly, everybody always goes, "Well, the you know, Poltergeist wouldn't be the same without Heather O'Rourke, and you know, God bless her soul." But honestly, yeah, she's she's a big part of it. But I really always felt like the parents, the bond—they're the core. Yeah, the bond, the 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 heart, and everything was like all of them together. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So
2: they're the core fucking part of the movie. Like. And, I mean, yeah, of course, rest in peace, Heather was very important to the movies, but she's less important in the first one. Right. Because she's not on camera 70% of the film. Yeah. Like, physically on camera. She's a big
1: part of it, She is a big
2: part of it. She's a main focus. She's a main focal point. Like, she's the reason why they're, you know, they took over and they're trying to take over this family. It's for her specifically. But she didn't carry the movie.
1: She she passed away at a very young age, and we'll get to that when we get towards the end of the franchise, guys. We'll explain a little bit more about that. But there is one person that did actually die shortly after uh, this film, and there has been a curse that people have kind of sort of attached to the whole franchise because some people, a lot of people who have been a part of it, whether they knew they were going to be dying or not, uh, they, people just kind of grab onto it and say, Oh, it's the poltergeist curse. curse. Mm. So, and it says even on Snopes, by the way, if you want to check it out, like
2: um,
1: there's a lot of coincidences in, in the deaths and a lot of the explanation can be more attributed to normal, natural causes than some sort of curse but the cast of this set of all, all the films had dominique dunn who plays dana freeling she's the older daughter who passed away heather o'rourke who plays carol ann freeling will simpson samson excuse me who plays taylor of the good spirit julian beck who plays Kane in the second one and there's though there were two deaths that were foreseeable And the other ones were not. So it's not like everybody tries to make it out to be. But Dominique Dunn, who was played Dana Freeling, was at a party where she met John Thomas Sweeney, uh, who was a chef at like a huge popular L.A. fucking night spot called Mason, And they became they got in a relationship together, which turned pretty stormy and sweeney was kind of uncontrollable and abusive so so abusive that dominique uh, did not need makeup to play the role of an abuse victim on hill street blues in 1981 so dominique ended the relationship on october 30th of 1982 and that same night a distraught sweeney raced to her house where she and actor david packer were rehearsing a scene from v the final battle he dragged her outside strangled her, leaving her brain dead. Five days after that, she actually was removed from life support and died, cutting her entire career and leaving behind a lot of really angry people uh, and it's in her wake. So pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean,
2: what did he only serve, like, three hours? years out of his sentence or some shit i don't
1: yeah i don't i didn't read too far into it but it's pretty crazy man Yeah,
2: it it sparred this whole other bout of controversy later on because he only served like a small portion of his sentence for murdering this poor fucking girl right and it you look into it if you guys are interested we're not really going to go into talking about it but yeah because this is going to
1: be a long episode i'll
2: keep going and i'll keep going and be pissed off about it so but (laughs) like yeah look into that shit it's really fucking sad um yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. You know, and there so was... So that's
1: what started it, though. That, that,
2: that was the start. And
1: there was other people on the movies that, that weren't just actors, too, I believe, that also members, got... Yeah, yeah, crew members that got sick and died.
2: And there's... The, these were, the, like, four major actors tied to the movie that died within a year or so of each film being released. Right. Um, They all died within the couple-year time frame between one and three. right. However, there are more that have passed away. Right, since and then. we'll get into
1: that as we as and they as they develop, I guess, throughout the series.
2: Another character that actually was murdered, too. Right. Um which is crazy. So, two people in this fucking franchise have actually been murdered.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is pretty insane. That's a
2: lot. <laughs> like that's a lot. it's a really rare circumstance to actually happen and for two people on your fucking films to have that happen to, that's insane. Right. There's so many deaths tied to this franchise. It's crazy. Right. You know whether you want to say it's a coincidence or not. It's just that's that's a lot. That's yeah. more. How many fucking franchises of fucking horror movies? Well, are there, like, out there? there's been
1: other movies that have had similar curses. Quote unquote. Yeah, but not
2: this type of right film. You know, I don't know.
1: Well, do you? Uh, did you have any more?
2: Oh yeah, if you guys want to go see the puppet, the clown puppet, the stupid fucking creepy ass clown puppet, you can go visit it at Planet Hollywood and Caesar's Palace in Las really? Vegas. Really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. I didn't know that either. I don't know if it's still there. That was that's my question cuz I'm Maybe like not. I was looking into where it was cuz I want to
1: Wait, Planet Hollywood punch it or Caesar's Palace?
2: Planet Hollywood in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas.
1: That'd be cool oh, though. No, I'll have no, to no. check it's it out. it's in the
2: Planet Hollywood, probably the restaurant.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. In Caesar's. Right.
2: But still, I don't know. I looked into this kind of find out too cuz I'm like where is it now?
1: Right. I wonder if they do still have it. I wasn't it.
2: sure if fucking Baggins picked it up or not. So, <laughs> I wanted to find out. So. Well, if it's
1: not really truly haunted, I'm sure he didn't want um, it.
2: Um, yeah. So Alex, I'm curious. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> You're yeah, just so serious I'm... like <laughs> <laughs> I'm all... Like, fuck so guys know, what the fuck is. Did, did you change? This? I have
2: papers and, yeah. like, <laughs> I fucking type everything out every week that <laughs> I want to say because I don't like reading shit off my phone. So I, like, type shit out on papers. So I have papers like a fucking uh, talk show host over yeah. here in the she corner. She had a court stenographer type. I type did. It up. I had a scribe. They were fucking read everything out and typed it for me. <laughs> Not really. Um, anyways, Alex, <laughs> I want to know some of your favorite scenes chronologically ordered please
1: it would be wrong (laughs) of me not to mention one of the most iconic parts in the entire movie that people to this day still quote and that is they're here Here. which is probably one of the more classic scenes in horror Um, people always make jokes about it or you know it's just the one thing that everybody always remembers when you mention poltergeist but also the idea that the television which had, you know, people had like a really strong connection to television back then. This is like the booming time of television, guys. So the fact that they turned it into this fucking, you know, scary thing says a lot. Like, not, it's not the TV's fault, but they took something beloved and turned it into a gateway to hell. So, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, fuck the remake. Uh, For that specific scene alone, I feel like they shouldn't even have touched it, but they had to do something different. I wonder how many takes they took for that, by the way, but it's garbage. But anyway... (laughs) The, the, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's fucking garbage. The most iconic scene. It's like, how dare you even try to trample over that? Because it's like
2: fucking pieces of shit, Alex. Right. This is why I won't watch it.
1: I don't know, but I I love that scene because it's just like if you woke up in the middle of the fucking night because like there was all this noise and shit and you hear like stuff going on. Whether you're drunk, like your dad was, <laughs> or fucking
2: they're high. Yeah,
1: they're no. He was drunk on the on the chair, didn't she?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. And then they all come downstairs
1: and she looks over her right shoulder and she's like, they're here. Like, what the
2: fuck, bitch? (laughs) Like, I'm shipping you off. Yeah. Bye. Get out of my house, you fucking weirdo.
1: (laughs) What I loved about it, though, also is the fact that the mom was like pushing to find out what she meant. Like they had the, like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like if that were me and I was a parent, I'd be like, who the fuck's here? No, who the fuck the fuck
2: is here? You mean who's
1: here? What? Who's here? What the fuck
2: is going on? Slapping her
1: face. Tell me. Grab her by her fucking hair.
2: you fucking bitch. Slap, 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 slap. (laughs) Who the fuck is here? For
1: real though. I might not shake a child, but I would still want to know.
2: They're old enough. You can shake them. You just can't shake them when they're babies.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) Jesus, <laughs> what is it? SBS shaking baby syndrome me. or something? No,
2: everyone probably hates me. Yeah, and probably. Anyone with kids is like, "You a bitch."
1: Well, they got you. Got like you got that soft spot like a cantaloupe.
2: Yeah, you poke it.
1: Yeah, you got to feel out where it's <laughs>
2: fucking poke it.
1: <laughs> Put a straw in it. Suck it's out the. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ!
1: Anyway, for all of you Poltergeist fans, you're probably hating us right now.
2: No, they're not. They're loving it. What about you, uh,
1: Brittany? Uh, what? Uh... What other one of your favorite scenes?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm gonna skip right over to um, what's his nuts? I don't remember the fucking act, the character's name. I don't. He's one of the demonologist people. Oh, that comes in the guy
1: with the glasses. The guy with the glasses. Yeah,
2: he goes into the bathroom. Um,
1: sees a slab of meat on the table. You mean?
2: Oh, first he's yeah, yeah. First he sees the slab of meat, which was actually a real piece of steak, by the way. Right. Um, moving across and then he sees shit like emerge from it and it's like this whole thing and then he goes into the bathroom and, um, he looks at himself in the mirror and, he has this like weird scar that comes across his cheek and he starts picking at it. Well, the camera cuts away and it comes back and it's this terrible fucking puppet face. <laughs> it's right. It's not the guy anymore, which is this is the part I was talking about earlier. My Mouse was like, this shit fucking scared the fuck out of me as a kid. And now we're watching it and we're laughing <laughs> so fucking hard because it's like the effects are just terrible. in that one moment, like it's just like your cartoon you're like what the fucking shit is that like i'm sure in 82 like that was probably like crazy good you know no Marvel i effects. love that
1: scene though i totally but
2: then it gets it then he starts ripping off his fucking face right like, and this he, is a pg movie it's by a pg the way. movie yeah like so he starts ripping off his fucking features all over his face and there's this nasty blood goo jello that's falling into the sink right <laughs> and it's just this weird skeletal face that comes out and it's it's still fucking creepy. Like, yeah, it's comical when they flat they come back and you see it's like this puppet thing that he's ripping apart. But it gets really fucking cool, and the payoff from that shit is dope. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it's still creepy and it's still gross, and you still look at it and go, "Ew, that's still unnerving." His little eyes. You know, like it's, <laughs> but yeah, and then all of a sudden he just looks back up and he's normal.
1: It's like what a what a what a fucking uh, meth addict goes through.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I'll just pop one thing. But they actually pick their face off. Yeah, right. So exactly. That's the difference is they don't look back two seconds later and their face is normal in the mirror. They look back and they've ripped their skull out. So that's a,
1: that's a really good scene, too. I really I, like I had that, that one marked down, too. Um, there's uh, the, the tree scene is probably another Mouse iconic scene. Mouse terrified
2: of that as a kid, too.
1: We talked about the clown scene, so we already have that one. But the tree scene is fucking terrifying. Uh, for a child to see this, by the way. Oh, yeah, like, Mouse
2: was scared as fuck.
1: It's scary. Like, I didn't... Like, he's all climbing around it in the beginning of the movie and then, like, later on, <laughs> he's, like, getting fucking sucked in its mouth.
2: That was... Yeah.
1: Like, and then it gets sucked Good up nightmare. into some fucking vortex like it's Evil Dead 2 or some shit.
2: It's all this weird torn, like, tornado.
1: <laughs> and he's got all this weird brown jelly all over him yeah. and fucking blood and shit. It's gross. Like, can you imagine, like, that really fucking happening? Like, what the
2: fuck so it's all this like congealed nastiness and you're right like, why is that on you <laughs> like, which i swear to god they use fucking grape jelly or strawberry yeah, it's jelly. probably
1: some preserves it's fucking jelly it's usually food product of some sort that's fucking jelly. right for sure you have any other one another one
2: um yes we we kind of talked about it earlier, but um, the scene where she's where she falls into the pool when <laughs> she's looking. For oh
1: yeah, 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 yeah. The
2: pool, and she like yeah, she made this whole big fucking deal about it the whole time. Well, when uh, you
1: said you mentioned the part where they see the chair move and then they slide that That was a good scene i I like that that i like that all the way to the neighbor's house when they're like laughing and talking to the neighbor i thought that was fucking great yeah that's joe beth and craig just being the best right there in my opinion
2: yeah that's super cute um that that scene is fantastic and i love when craig actually goes and looking in the pool the oh yeah, 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 he dives. He just in. like flops into it because well, they had
1: that conversation. Like, what if she falls in?
2: Yeah, but he flops into the pool, by the way, which is so right. stupid. Belly He's flops, just like, and I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, why'd you do that?
1: There's a scene uh, that I really like. Uh, it's just a small part. This fucking skull comes out of the closet and screeches and uh their face like comes screeching out of the closet look it looks fucking badass looks like some 80s fucking synth wave fucking magic you know what I mean like I fucking love it dude like if you were to put that on a cover like it would make perfect sense to me so maybe we'll have to do that for the podcast you can't steal it we're stealing it from them uh but yeah no like I just fucking I love it so um but, I mean, and then, and then the house folds in on itself. That's pretty fucking cool. All of the stuff that's in this movie mixed in with all that endearing shit that whole, is just like, perfect.
2: last bit of it is just glorious. Like, all these fucking corpses popping up out of fucking nowhere. And these, like, you know... um just coffins. All the- okay, these coffins popping up out of the ground with these corpses falling out of them. I'm like, that's fucking dope.
1: Well, all the ghosts are just like really unique and cool. Like they do different aspects of them, like yeah. weird creatures then that look weird, like, like giraffes dog. and shit. Like, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> it's that like was. A weird
2: closet dog thing.
1: I also love end. that scene with the the fucking paranormal investigator. She's like, "Well, we can't really call this a haunting." And then the fucking the fucking uh, the tea coffee slides
2: thing tea slides thing.
1: across the table, and it's like this funny. And they're like, "Oh yeah,
2: teapot. Yeah, yeah, you
1: don't want to call it a haunting, huh?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> that shit's hilarious. It is like, yeah, great. I love that, and I I love all of the, like. There's so many scenes that are just fantastic, but I love the fact that they're just living with it, right? And they're so chill about it, you know? Oh well, yeah,
1: what do you do after a while, right?
2: Or they're just they're just there, and they're like whatever. It's fine. Like we can't sleep. Now it's whatever.
1: Now this movie like caused a lot of like really big interest into the paranormal. It like sparked a lot. Um. So did like the Amityville and shit like that. Like it, it, these are these are movies that really. Scared to piss out of people and also endeared them or whatever you want to fucking call it.
2: Well, I think it goes and it plays to Anytime anyone's had any unexplainable moment.
1: Right. That they can. Yeah. Right. Something
2: they can't explain away. Well, I it...
1: think the majority of people, for the most part, kind of just believe in that, especially back then. Oh, yeah. I do. Um, there's been a, like a <laughs> census that's been around where they ask people if they believe in that. I think it's every 10 years, I think. But anyway, it was big enough that this movie made enough money, obviously, off the... The 10 million, the measly 10.1 million. Measly. Well, it made over 120, about $124 million worldwide. So they did a pretty good job. So it was pretty much a fact that it was going to have a sequel in some way. The studio was going to put pump it out. And they did four years later. In fact, they released it within a couple of days, four years later than the first one. The second one was called Poltergeist Two: The Other Side. Came out on June 6, 1986. In the story, the Freeling family returns and have a new house. But their troubles with supernatural forces don't seem to be over. That's as quick and simple as it wrote. Now, this movie was directed by someone else this time. It was Brian Gibson... He did What's Love Got to Do With It, The Jur, and Still Crazy. It was his first and only horror film and his first and only sequel. He actually would never direct another feature film for seven more years after this film. He was also the only director of the Poltergeist trilogy who was British. But it was also written by Mark Victor, who also did the original Poltergeist, the remake, and Death Hunt and Cool World. It was also written by Michael Grace, who did the original Cool World, Mark for Death, which Mark Victor produced as well, by the way. Um, some of the cast, obviously, we have Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, Heather O'Rourke, Oliver Robbins, and Zelda Rubenstein all return to the movie, and they have some new people this time. Will Sampson joins as Taylor the Shaman, who primarily I remember from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Yep. which is funny because in the movie, I don't know if you caught this, yeah. but... <laughs> He actually says uh, to Will Sampson, perhaps he's being he's an escapee from an asylum, which is one of the roles that he played in Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, that was smart. I thought it was fun. It was, uh,
2: it was a really cute moment.
1: He was also in the movie Outlaw of Josie Wales and the White Buffalo. Also stars one of the antagonists of the film, a new antagonist called the Reverend Harry, Henry Kane, who Julian Beck played. And he was in the movies The Cotton Club, Nine and a Half Weeks, the sexploitation sort of film called Candy, which is just a ragtag group of fucking famous actors, by the way. It's actually not a bad film. Uh, But this was his last film as he was uh, sick with cancer.
2: Stomach cancer.
1: Yeah. So and we'll talk more a little bit about that in a little bit. But also it starred Geraldine Fitzgerald, who plays Grandma Jess. She was best known for her role in Wuthering Heights as Isabella. She was also in the popular TV show St. Elsewhere for years, The Golden Girls, Arthur II on the Rocks, the movie, Easy Money, and many, 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 many more. Her career started in 1934 to 1991, and she stopped acting and then eventually passed away in 2005. Now, the budget for this film was about the same amount, only they added... Eight more million dollars. So it was 19 million estimated. So we're not 100% sure if that's 100% accurate. But with the success of the first one, you would figure that it would uh, blow up. And it did do pretty well, actually. Uh, The estimated budget, it was 19 million. Opening weekend, it made 12.7 million. And it grossed about 41 million in the U.S. So not as big as the last one, which made 76 million, I think you said it was, for the first film domestically
2: uh, yeah 76 million
1: so but it, you know it, it, it should have probably done better than it was and i don't consider this to be the worst in the franchise mm. but what were your thoughts on this Brittany?
2: um this i was least entertained by of all three movies really yes um right, there are some redeeming qualities for it but for me this was the hardest to pay attention to okay um just personally this is me personally here guys like this just how i feel
1: you're too young to understand these things Brittany. i could i could
2: fucking be i don't know i'm just kidding um but you no, know, mouse felt the same way like and, and mouse hadn't seen two or three right so this is his first time and i i would seen two before and i don't remember it being so boring oh wow but it was hard for me to like to Get all the way through it. Um, there are redeeming qualities. It is good. It is interesting. It still t- stays pretty true to the primary story, which is where three is, d- totally different. Right. Um, but I did enjoy it. It's just not my favorite of the three. Okay. Um, because it was just not as enjoyable. It wasn't as entertaining. I don't know. It it didn't grab me. Okay. You know, it didn't grab my interest like the others did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I there. With this movie though, we have the introduction of Kane, who is incredible, right? And he is just I, oof, he's so fucking creepy and unnerving, and I absolutely fucking love it. Right? You know Julian Beck, God rest his fucking soul, or Satan rest his soul, or whoever the fuck <laughs> you believe in, amazing. And yeah. who better to cast than somebody who's fucking dying to play a character like that because he's a walking corpse. Yeah, and well, they didn't and he have was very sick. he had to do a whole lot of sick. makeup because he was li- literally fucking dying. Right, and he, he is perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Okay. sorry, my my thoughts are kind of short, but
1: no, 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 that's fine. I actually felt like I mean, I I definitely the first one to me is always going to be the best. Correct. Um, It's certainly kind of hard to try to compete with the first one in particular anyway. So it's like, what do you do? I thought they did a pretty good job, though, of trying to do something a little bit different than the first one and kind of extending on the the mythos, I guess. Uh, There's some pretty iconic moments in this film. You know, they, namely the preacher, like you mentioned, they had a sort of antagonist this time that is reminiscent of, like, Phantasm's Tall Man. Um, Does it match him? Probably not, but he's still creepy as fuck, so...
2: fantastic he's like sweet
1: and menacing and crazy and freaky all at the same damn time so there's something to be said about that i think he's one of the best uh antagonists obviously in the whole franchise because the first one they don't really have any thing it's just the other side so there's like no sort of thing so i guess they wanted to kind of make a franchise with some new character you know kind of like they did with friday the 13th you know it was the mom and then absolutely you know what i mean so
2: I get it. Like, I get their vision. Right. I absolutely understand their vision and why they were trying, what they were trying to accomplish with it. Mm -hmm. And they did a good job. Like, I mean, I don't. I don't fucking hate it and I'm not going to hate on them for doing what they did because for a sequel, this is pretty fucking solid. Right. So I can't hate on it 100%. But...
1: No, and, I, and and you know, while the first one's, it's super jam-packed, full of entertainment, this one keeps most of what made the franchise successful, which, you know, including the physical ghost aspect, the practical effects are present and good. One scene in particular we'll talk about later is just amazing. Uh, this one kind of keeps the same sense of family and humor the undying love for your family and spirit which i think really ties all the crazy stuff in for both the both of these first two films because it is all about family you know and sticking together through all this crazy shit uh i still hold this one in high regard but the first it's always gonna have my my child yeah you know it's like gonna have my inner child (laughs)
2: <laughs> Alex.
1: but i i don't know i still like it like i still think it's um i don't know if i'm like you i don't think it's like the worst in the series but i also have some thoughts on the third one that might be contrary to what a lot of popular people feel so and we'll get into that later when we get into that but um there's quite a bit of trivia in this i mean obviously You know, they they wanted to kick it up a bit. And it's kind of weird to me because I feel like the second one, for whatever reason, doesn't uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like,
2: I I, I don't know why they had to
1: use 19 million dollars to make this this film
2: stagnant to me. OK, like I just I feel like they it's interesting to read that they wanted to like pump it up a notch. Right. But when did they do that? like I don't really I don't feel like they ever really did at any point It didn't and really
1: look like it. It
2: doesn't like it, it's okay and then and then at the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes ish, it just gets fucking ridiculous. Right. and I'm like well, why did we how did we get there you know what I mean right. like and, the, and I understand like the point that leads up to that why the last 30 minutes is batshit fucking crazy but they lost their fucking way well
1: I think I end. think they were just trying to do so much different that they
2: they yeah
1: kind of went off the rails a little bit right. in, in some regards to some people I'm sure I still feel like it carries the spirit of the first and it doesn't feel so jarring between the two that it's still part of the same mythos Whereas, like the third one, a lot of people feel like it's just it's completely different. Its own movie, right? Um, but I do like the antagonist. The fucking Reverend Kane is fucking freaky as fuck.
2: He's the best part.
1: His parts in it, and and if we if we didn't explain this to you um, in the first movie, the Poltergeist, you know, obviously the the Freelys have their their house built on the graves of Native Americans. And they never moved the bodies or the cemetery bodies, so they angered the spirits, and the spirits took an exacted revenge on them because Carol Ann had these powers to be able to communicate with them, and they saw it as a gateway to find the light. Yeah. Because they're stuck in this, like, afterlife.
2: This is what we find out, like, midway through. This
1: film. This one, yeah, which is interesting because they, they do something a little different in this one and now they've moved out of their old house. Uh What did they call, what was the city that they lived in? I don't
2: even remember.
1: Can't remember, but San Quentin? Oh, no. What the fuck am I talking about?
2: That's a jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't fucking know. I don't, I don't live in I don't California. It. I don't
2: remember either. It starts
1: with a Q, I think. But I just can't California. remember what it is. It's but fine. It's in California. But... Um, but so this one, they're living at their at her mom's house, like the mother's uh, Joe Beth's characters, Miss Freely's mom's house. And she's this sweet older lady who uh, starts to realize that Carol Ann has these special powers that her family is not too keen on trying to find it. Her family, her direct family, Carol Ann's family, is pretty open minded. They smoke pot and they're kind of into freaky shit. And, uh, you know, they seem pretty open, but they just don't like even thinking about weird shit anymore because of all the tragedy that happened in the first one. <laughs> um, so the in the beginning they kind of show like this Native American who is doing some sort of ritual. There's actually no English spoken during these parts. I thought it was like I remember it was I, maybe for
2: like 15 minutes or something. Yeah, right? it was like it was
1: like I think it was 5 minutes of the film, but they have this ceremony he sees that the family's in trouble still and he's friends with tangina this guy named taylor who's a shaman he goes and climbs this top of this thing for no reason and has some sort of fire ritual where he speaks with like his grandfather uh who was also a shaman and they like find out that Carol Ann's in trouble again, so that he has to that f- seek damn her Carol out.
2: Ann. Yeah, fucking
1: goddamn Carol Ann. <laughs>
2: fucking goddamn. We've
1: not. We're talking about the character, guys. We don't have to be fucking. You know. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: but anyway, so he he goes and seeks them out. Meanwhile, Mrs. Freely, her mom like passes you, you, it's away. Free-
2: it's Freeling.
1: It's Freeling.
2: Yeah, Freeling. Oh, maybe You're I. Saying yeah. Freely.
1: Oh, Freeling.
2: Sorry, I want to correct you before no, somebody that listens corrects you.
1: That's okay. I don't give a shit. Fuck okay. you guys. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, Miss Freeling, uh, Mrs. Freeling, Carolann's mom, her mother passes away. So the the Carol Ann's grandmother, and she recognizes that she has all this talent and like can see things and wants to raise her the right way. And when she dies, that's when shit goes baddie. Uh and this new antagonist Reverend Henry uh Kane starts fucking with the family again. Uh and apparently it all connects to the first movie again and we'll, you know, get into that a little bit more later. But I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a premise for it because we didn't really go over that in the first one and it's kind of important for the rest of this. So, now there are some trivia that is uh surrounding around this movie in particular. There's actually quite a bit of trivia on all of the movies. Um but for this one, this film was actually going to be in in 3D by the way. Yeah. Originally, at one point they wanted to film it for that, but several scenes such as like the uh the beast and the flying chainsaw were filmed to take advantage of that process and they ended up not doing it. So, like in the in the garage scene. I would have watched it in 3D though.
2: Yeah. For sure.
1: Also, Heather O'Rourke was afraid of Julian Beck, who played Reverend Kane. First time she saw him that she burst into tears. Yeah, I get it. And I mean, fuck, dude. It's he does terrifying. look really sick. <laughs> He's
2: a living, walking corpse, okay? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. I absolutely get it. Um, so we talked earlier uh-huh. um, about how they used real corpses or real cadavers or whatever, okay. skeletons um, in the first and in the second movie. Right. Um, so unbeknownst to most of the crew, um, obviously a lot of the cadavers were real skeletons, most if not all. Mm-hmm. Upon learning this, the crew did demand that they perform an exorcism on the set yeah, so that's they so could weird. ease the rising tensions, which soon happened. <laughs> um, Will Sampson himself, is right the one who actually performed the, the exorcism The Shaman Taylor yeah, yeah the good spirit the Taylor. real
1: fakin actor guys
2: fakin actor fakin um he was a real life shaman for several different groups before he died in 1987 um so the studio security was instructed to leave the set unlocked and unguarded so Samson could return in the middle of the night to perform the exorcism
1: yeah that's is pretty crazy what
2: happened and i love that yeah that's
1: an interesting I tidbit i
2: love that <laughs> it's like that's perfect cuz they're all cursed
1: <laughs> um, we also did mention that Julian Beck, who did have uh, stomach cancer, that would eventually claim his life shortly after uh, the filming of this movie. But a lot of the lines that he had were dubbed in post-production by uh, voice actor Corey Burton, by the way. Uh, but this is also part of the curse that people talk of. But he was kind of like people knew. He knew. Like people knew he was kind of expected. It wasn't like some sudden thing. He was sick during the filming of this movie. And this is so against his character to do this type of movie from all the stuff that he had done before. You know what I mean? So it was kind of different and unique. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that he was able to be a part of this film, though. Yeah, because I think he brought something. I think he really if without him in that movie, I think that the movie would kind of be missing a large chunk. You know what I mean? I agree. But uh, also, Jerry Goldsmith scored the film differently than on the first film, which he did the music for as well. The original was fully orchestral and choral passages at different key moments. They had a lot of action music included. Uh, This score was what they called rich and smooth and similar to Goldsmith's work on the movie The Omen which he did um, with the quote, the God is in his holy temple, earthly. (laughs) I won't sing the whole thing, but I love it. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool. And actually- describing the forces of evil at work that's what the song was about he makes more use of like electronics that lend a kind of a more of a mystical mysterious feel to it than uh like carol ann's theme is it's kind of like the hugest part of the whole thing of the whole franchise really they kind of use the same little key notes that they uh have used for for the first two movies anyway yeah so, but they added kind of like this Indian or native uh, yeah. motif to it a little bit. So it kind of changed a little bit. Yeah. And they, they do play that goddess in in like three different versions. You know what I mean? Like
2: Throughout the whole movie.
1: Throughout the whole movie. So I thought it was really cool. One thing I, 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 I read about that I thought was kind of fucked up is that Gene Siskel, the critic from Siskel and Ebert, he said he hated this movie. Oh, yeah. He said Joe Beth Williams had no shame having twice appeared nude at this point in Teachers from 1984 and Kramer versus Kramer in 1979. He called Craig T. Nelson a clothes horse if there ever was one. He also slammed the movie's production for putting children in danger and getting off on that kind of salacious thrill.
2: His review is so fucked up.
1: It's like, wow, dude. Like, it's so like,
2: petty and fucking mean. I know. Unnecessarily. Like, like it's Kind of reminds
1: me of, like, some of the critics these days.
2: Absolutely. fucking little You know what I mean? What the fuck is a clothes horse? Like, are you kidding me? A clothes horse? I have no idea. Fuck off.
1: Fuck off! Uh, like he's like anybody could so just it's wear it. So, Mr.
2: Ed, like is what he's calling him, Mr. Ed. I don't like know what no, I think he's. I,
1: I think what he means. I don't actually know what that. It. I don't know what that means necessarily, but I think he means that anybody could play the role, probably, and that he's just a fill-in, whatever. And granted, I mean, I liked his comedy more in the first he's one, but. As
2: apparent in this one he does a good job of like he's one scene great. in particular
1: like yeah, i he, thought he did
2: he's still great but I don't, I don't think his impact was felt as harshly as the first film probably so I, like, I get it but still at the same time I'm like that's harsh
1: yeah that's a this, it's a little bit much a lot
2: um something that i noticed mm-hmm. when they were rolling credits at the end that i was like what and i had to look into it because i couldn't believe my eyes when i was reading it um h.r geiger actually provided the special effects designs on this movie for some of the creatures he created several designs but only two of them actually made it into the film even though they were very brief
1: the tree not the tree but the like weird creature
2: yeah some books that have been released since then um on his art report that he was actually very unhappy with how his designs were translated into the film yeah which i can understand because they are super brief
1: it's the, well, let me just, and like, like two. spoilers ahead, guys. It's like, so just just know, I don't want to ruin anything for you. We're going to get into some of the spoilers here, but are you talking about the half corpse body thing, that slug creature thing?
2: The vomit creature. Yeah,
1: well, the, there's three different phases of it. Right. So there's, like, well, four technically mm-hmm. uh but yeah like each phase was like his design specifically the half body one with which the tentacles
2: you can, you can feel like you can sense that i feel right. like you know when you when you look at it but the
1: coloring and everything of it it's very yeah.
2: spot on for his feels like yeah art continuing with that um one of the phases of the vomit creature which is a partially grown one was actually performed by a real live stuntman yeah um his name's noble craig and he was a triple amputee who lost both legs, one arm, and an eye while serving in the Vietnam War. That's an actual fucking person, yeah, playing no. that fucking creature, which I felt like you could tell.
1: Oh yeah, well the way he was walking and stuff. So
2: yeah. I don't know, but it was really cool. Like I, I, I love that. I, I love when they bring shit like that into real. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like there's an actual person inside R two D two. Like I love that shit. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, right. That's so fucking cool to me. <laughs> so.
1: What uh, what do you think is some of your favorite scenes?
2: I didn't have a lot of favorite scenes from this one. I love, though, the scene in particular where Julian Beck, Kane, is walking up the driveway to the house. Right. And it just starts, like, pouring fucking rain, right? And Carol Ann is sitting out by herself, I think- um, on a blanket in the yard, and it just starts fucking pouring rain as soon as he comes out, and she's yeah. staring at him and she's watching him, and he very slowly but and he's singing, right? He's singing the whole time he's coming up, the right? Step. Yeah, no, yeah, he is. He's singing that God is in His holy temple or whatever <laughs> song, right? And it's so fucking eerie and uncomfortable. And if I was the mom, I would have turned the fucking hose on that motherfucker. <laughs> it like, wouldn't
1: have mattered. He was getting wet anyway. I'm
2: like. <laughs> like I would have done something, like you ran mean, him over with my car. I don't give a fuck. I like, probably
1: would have poured the gasoline all over him just and just like lit him, lit on, him fire. on fire. Yeah. like
2: I don't. And he comes up, and then when he comes in, they they run inside, right? And then he comes up to the door, and he's at the screen. And there's a there's a scene that was cut from this fucking movie. Right, and he actually gets into the fucking house.
1: Uh, no, that was later. Not at that part.
2: No, no, no. It's, he it's comes back a on. second. And he time. comes back a second time, right. right? And he, but he gets into the house later. And that yeah. that whole scene was cut from the movie, which I think is really sad
1: yeah zelda rubenstein was pretty pissed about it
2: i would be too because that was a big chunk of her right that got cut too and it was a play between the two of them in that scene between him and her which good versus evil essentially right so it's this whole fucking play on play between the two of them that got completely cut from the end of the movie which is so disappointing because it sounds like this incredible fucking scene right and he is just a phenomenal fucking like being yeah. You know, his presence is so fucking terrifying.
1: He's, yeah. And it doesn't feel he, fake at all.
2: No, and he captivates, like, he completely takes over. Any scene he's in, he steals it. Right. And as he should, because he's just in, com- completely just draws you. He's great. <laughs> Hot he's job. absolutely fucking brilliant, you know, but I, I love that scene and I love when he's up at the fucking screen door and he's talking to the mom and
1: you're going to die. You're going to
2: die. You're all going to die in You're going to die. And I'm like, oh God, no.
1: And then without skipping a beat, he just like goes back to his normal and sweet self, yeah, and then walks off singing, "God is there, His holy, holy temple." temple. And I'm like, "Earthly <laughs> thoughts <laughs> be silent now."
2: This is why I'm not religious because people freak me the fuck out.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, bored. no. Did you know that that's an actual Latter Day Saints song? Yes. And it is also quoted in the Bible. The, Psalm, the God is your uh, God is in His holy temple. Psalm
2: what? Eleven. Eleven.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but Spocked I thought it was kind of <laughs> interesting. It's it's called the uh, Hymns of Spirit or some shit uh, by Frank W. Asper. Yeah. Uh, but it is a. I looked it up, and it's actually the Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, yep. <laughs> the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, well, um, which makes it even more creepy. Favorite
2: scenes. <laughs> Uh, Tell me some of yours.
1: Uh, I only one of, have one more. One of my favorite scenes is the, so, and this is big spoiler stuff, guys. Day after grandma dies, she answers the phone again. Like, originally, she gets a phone call on her toy phone where she answers it, and she's like, yes? Hi, grandma. Oh, I love it. Yes? That. Yeah. I will, okay, I love you, and then hangs up and everything's hunky-dory. Well, the next night, the day after grandma dies, because Carol Ann gets this phone call before the parents even know she's passed away, like the grandma. And so the next night, after everybody's mourning over the death and everything, the phone rings again and she answers it and thinks it's grandma again. And then she's like, wait, who is this? And then all the toys around her start coming to life, which the house starts thumping like super loud, like boom, boom. And then you hear like, <coughs> And that shit right there, as me as a child, scared the fucking piss out of me.
2: I totally forgot about that scene. Yes. I dude. like that scene, too. That
1: tripped me out. I was like, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you hear like a a fucking pounding on the house, it kind of reminds me of like the scene from Paranormal Activity where you hear the the pounding and then like you don't hear the scream in this one. But the funny thing about this scene, guys, is... We talked about this before in our uh, Intended for Kids episode that we did. We did a movie called Making Contact or Joey. It's also known as Joey. In German, they have like two different versions, like an American one and a a German version, which have almost two completely different stories. And it's never been released, the fully uncut one, which everybody wants, and they didn't do it. But anyway, uh, Making Contact has an almost exact Version of this scene, which Poltergeist 2 either ripped off. Or was an extreme coincidence because this movie came out a year before Poltergeist Two came out, which is really weird.
2: That is really weird.
1: And not only that, there's so many similarities. Like Robbie has Star Wars covers.
2: Has Star Wars everything?
1: Yeah, like everything Star Wars, which is totally understandable because that was the time when Star Wars was huge, right? But it's there's just so many similarities with the phone and everything from making contact. It's almost it really feels like Poltergeist or the writers stole that from that movie thinking no one would ever see it. Oh shit. So it's weird and if you guys have seen the movie you know what I'm talking about. That's crazy. Although in making contact it's a possessed doll. Ah. And and the they get a phone call and it she thinks it's her dead he thinks it's her uh his dead dad instead of the dead grandma. So it's weird. But personally I think the Poltergeist does does it better, Poltergeist 2, but it's still pretty uncanny. So I thought it'd be worth mentioning. Uh what about you? What's another one?
2: The scene where Robbie He's brushing his teeth, right? is what he's doing? Yeah, I think doing. so. Yeah. He's in the bathroom brushing his fucking teeth, and his braces come alive.
1: Start wrapping around what him. What
2: the fucking shit was that?
1: That scared me as a kid too because I had braces.
2: I did too. And it was just like, blah, like he turns into this giant fucking braces monster. And I'm
1: like, <laughs> what the and fuck? And you can just see his one eye.
2: Yeah, just his one eye, right? right. And then like Craig T. Nelson comes in and he's like trying to help him and he's getting fucking wrapped up and strangled by the fucking braces. And I'm right. like, what the fucking shit is happening right he's now? Like,
1: he's like stuck he's and stuck perched up, on up the in the ceiling. ceiling. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then they take, they're choking fucking Craig and then. And then, like, the mom's got to try and figure out how to fucking help them. I don't even remember what she does to help them because it seems so fucking chaotic, but it was so, it was cool. Right. And I, I liked that a lot, actually. Like, it was, um, so I lied. I guess I have three favorite scenes. Um, <laughs> and I just remembered the other one, too.
1: Well, I got I got one of my favorite ones that I I think is probably one of the best scenes in the whole movie. Um, I I did like Taylor's role in the movie, like yeah. I liked his character, and there was like some funny banter about the car and stuff like that. Like, that was cute. oh, your car is angry, very angry at you. Well, How do we make it happy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like totally stereotypical, but it, it it it's really good. I thought, but the scene that I'm I can't. It's like freaky is the one we kind of mentioned about the fucking worm
2: that was my last one yeah yeah
1: the worm in the tequila possession where basically craig t nelson's character mr freeling uh pukes it up and the worm turns into like a baby which grows into this weird octopus half octopus half man which smiles at them and it's like all slimy as it waddles off and then it and then it And this is another, there's another stage. So like you see the little fucking worm with an eye and it opens its eye in the bottle. He drinks it, gets possessed, tries to attack the family. And then after the like wiggly creature, like mass, like goes fucking like waddling off, it turns into another gigantic, weird, kind of like tentacle, like tree looking mass. Like, I don't know what to call it. Like, but Craig T. Nelson didn't really enjoy this
2: scene, but I loved it. Well, he had to do it so many times. Yeah.
1: So it's pretty, I don't know. I thought that was like some awesome practical effects. It was incredible. Yeah. I I was like, holy
2: fuck. I'm right there with you on that. And then like that one final form that it takes before it crawls off into the other room the face looks just like Kane
1: right and I love it yeah like, that's it, true It's so you fucking, mean in the fire or whatever
2: it's so perfect right like it just looks so fucking tits like I and the creature is just weird and that was I think the actual actor that's in that form at that point that kind of waddles off away out of the room
1: oh Noble Craig or whatever yeah Okay. Craig Noble maybe is yeah. it
2: no- Noble Craig or Craig no- no, I,
1: I thought I have it written as Noble Craig Noble
2: Craig yeah but holy shit fucking awesome yeah. and then the movie gets just weird yeah, it does get a little funky. It just gets funky. fucking weird.
1: Because, like, you, the one thing I will say about this that I didn't like uh, is that, you know, when you think, um, oh, the other side, like, they're going to go to the other side. And it's going to be this crazy, fantastic, sort of like, I'm in the phantasm world right. kind of thing that everybody wanted. And it doesn't go and, there. And then it didn't really end up being that crazy.
2: It amounts to nothing.
1: Yeah, like, it really didn't do anything. It was just like...
2: Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, it's liquid
1: just, effects that are, like, swirling around It's a lot smoky. like...
2: How people envision heaven to be, right? It's just this ethereal, cloudy, like pretty clouds and blue skies. Yeah, it's like it's like
1: a storm. It kind of looks looks very calm. You know what it reminds me of is the 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 nothing that comes in the never ending story.
2: Uh, I've never seen the never. What?
1: Holy shit, Brittany!
2: I know. Mouse yells at me.
1: Every day, wow! Literally, well, I think they're re-releasing it on Blu-ray. But now now I know enough
2: about it; I don't ever want to see it.
1: Oh (laughs) no 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 no! It's
2: gonna break my little heart. You need (laughs) to see it, but it
1: it reminds me of the cloud work that they did with like, like they probably put milk in like some sort of liquid to make it like float around, mixed with like a Bill and Ted uh, kind of like going through time thing or whatever. For
2: sure. It's fucking ridiculous and I hate it. It is a little silly, (laughs) (laughs) like so silly, like I it lost me.
1: It's like, Hey, we're gonna go fuck. You ready to go to the other side? And then and then you go there and you're like, Wait, this is it?
2: Mm hmm. I mean, Take me back.
1: it was cool that they brought that weird mass creature back, you know, like, but I don't know.
2: It just felt very womp womp. A little bit. I,
1: mean? I, I still like the, like, overall tone of the family and stuff sticking together and having to fight together. Well, for sure, because that,
2: that is a theme that carries on from one to three. Like, it, right. that is the only way that you can pull somebody through that's been taken to the other side is un- unconditional love, right? Right. Well, that's the only thing that Cain could... He can't break
1: it. Because he couldn't fight. He couldn't overpower the love.
2: Right, because no one loves him because he's a piece of shit. Right. So there it is. Which
1: you find out, you know, (laughs) he's like- this past, this like reverend that pulled people down into a fucking cave and That's said that the end of the world was coming and locks himself in this cave like fucking Jesus Christ or some shit. And they put a rock over top of it to make him stay in there. And then when they run out of food and the end of the world didn't come, they like just starve to death around. It's pretty fucking dark.
2: It but is fucking dark.
1: I like the story behind it, like he's this Quaker or whatever the fuck it was. It's just not explained very well, right?
2: So it drove me a little crazy. Yeah, and it was like in this
1: cavern that was underneath their house, and that's why all these problems started. Yeah, it's so fucking
2: weird. And this is what it's underneath the main house, by the way. It's underneath the house from the first movie. It's not underneath the house in the new. In the second one, the new right. house, it's they're doing this crazy exploratory fucking mission at the original house, like it's in the like very beginning, finding even. dinosaurs yeah. and shit there, right? And that's where they discover all of this, and so that's where they have to go back to ultimately, yeah. Like, and I do really actually like the scene um, when they are in the garage trying to get out. Right. And all everything around them comes alive, and the ghost, like, occupies this chainsaw, and they're, like, super, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque, like, coming through the roof of the fucking car and, like, all this shit. Awesome. That scene was really cool.
1: And you could tell that they had, like, that was, like, really cutting through.
2: It looked fucking legit. Because they
1: had different actors.
2: Yeah, it looked legitimate. So it was really cool. Like, I actually really, I did enjoy that scene, too. It was interesting. Um, your car is very sick. Your car is very sick. Very angry. And then they get to the end, and he's like, I want your vehicle. And I'm like, what do you he's want to like, sad He's like, what, did, car? It tell you,
1: did it tell you that? And, and then, he's then he,
2: like, gets, yeah. he gets it, and it starts, no problem. And he just drives away. And you're like, Dad, we need a ride home. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's how it ends, It's him chasing after him in the car. And I'm right.
1: Like, it's kind of It was cute.
2: It was cute.
0: And the music.
1: <laughs> uh, well, there is one more movie that we're going to talk about. And we'll try to make this quick for you guys, but I hope uh, you're sticking around on this. I do want to say um, my last thoughts on that one, though, are it's not as iconic as the first. Not as endearing, but it does have some pretty unique things in it. And it sort of elaborates on the story a little bit more, for better or worse. Plus, we get a creepy antagonist in it. I think if you're a fan of the first, you still need to see it. And there are still some memorable scenes in it. And I personally think it's worth a watch, at least. Absolutely. To find out.
2: I absolutely agree with you. This is my least favorite of the three, but I do think it warrants a you
1: plus i liked Watch will Sampson's character i, will I did Samson, like it
2: i know mouse was so sad because he didn't realize that actor actually died
1: in real life you in mean real yeah life.
2: and he was so sad like i felt so bad I'm well like, he was know, i'm great. like you know he died right and mouse yeah. was like what the fuck and we didn't talk about that in 1987 he suffered from a rare condition called scleroderma um, which is a chronic degenerative condition that affects his heart lungs and skin during his lengthy illness he actually weighed originally 260 pounds and he fell from that down to 140 pounds which caused complications relating to malnutrition so he had a heart and lung transplant at the houston methodist hospital in texas wow um but he ended up dying from post-operative complications from that transplant on june 3rd 1987 right he was only 53 which was crazy sadly and and you know i knew that from the character and, and I felt really bad having to break that news to Mouse because it broke his fucking heart. He was like, but I love him. And <laughs> I'm like, well, he's dead. Well, and especially because
1: he's like such a great character <laughs> he is in great. uh the uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest as well, which I, fucking I love. love. I fucking loved, fucking loved him in that.
2: Everybody loves that fucking movie.
1: There was another film, obviously, in the trilogy, or it wouldn't be a trilogy, obviously. Uh that one is Poltergeist Three. Now this movie uh, took two more years to come back out on June 10th. And the story is Carol Ann is staying with her aunt in the high-rise building where the supernatural forces haunting her make their return. It was uh, written and directed by Gary Sherman. He wrote and directed the Rucker Hauer movie called Wanted Dead or Alive. Woo. He directed an episode of Poltergeist The Legacy, which was the not-related TV <laughs> show that's kind of a bastard child. Word. Uh, he also did the movie Dead and Buried and Raw Meat. It's also written by Brian Taggart, who wrote on V, the TV series, and V, the Final Battle. He also did the movie Visiting Hours, also helped write for want A Dead or Alive, Of Unknown Origin, and Omen for the Awakening. So there's another tie-in with the omen again. Yep. Um... Some of the cast is, of course, Heather O'Rourke and Zelda Rubinstein return. Tom Skerritt, who plays the uncle-in-law. He was in Alien, Contact, Top Gun, MASH the movie, Space Camp, The Dead Zone, Cheech and Chong's up in smoke as Strawberry. Don't look at his his, his birthmark, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, can't help looking at it. <laughs> uh, he was also in Cole Shack, the Night Stalker TV series, too. Uh, It also stars Nancy Allen, who plays Patricia Wilson Gardner, uh, the aunt. Best known for her roles in all the Robocop movies. Well, one through three, anyway. Dressed to Kill. She was in the original Carrie, Strange Invaders, The Philadelphia Experiment. Children of the Corn, six six six, Isaac's return.
0: Bum, bum, bum.
1: <laughs> it also stars Laura Flynn Boyle, who is Donna Gardner, the daughter, best known to uh, me for Twin Peaks, obviously. Yep. She was also in Men in Black Two, the yep. TV show The Practice, the movie The Big Squeeze, Wayne's World. Hey Wayne, and The da Dark Backward. <laughs> Also, it stars Kipley Wentz, who's Scott in the movie, who I was a little surprised by this. He didn't really do too too much after. He started his career with this movie, and he was on a couple of movies after this one called uh, Paradise Framed. He also directed three movies, Much Ado, Cold Intelligence, and Forever for Now, but nothing else. Uh, It also stars Richard Richard Fire, named uh, Dr. Seaton, who helped write the movie The Borrower, uh, which is another weird horror movie uh henry portrait of a serial killer he helped write and, nice and really? he even yeah he even helped write on uh er
2: my jam yeah that's that's, that's <laughs> so why excited. i mentioned it i think it
1: was one episode but oh my i thought, my God, I thought I you'd appreciate that Fuck,
2: what episode was it Does <laughs> I don't it say know. what he's credited to? it does
1: but i didn't i didn't look that far
2: uh, i want to know i'm gonna look it up
1: uh he's actually really henry only
2: portrait of a serial killer by the way Fucking love that movie. Oh yeah, that movie is fucking. Oh yeah, incredible.
1: no, I know you do, but you Absolutely. know that's got some really bad stuff in it, right? Yes, it
2: fucking does. Yeah, but that is a great fucking movie.
1: It has rape in it, doesn't it?
2: Yes, it has a lot of shit in it. Alex, all right, I'm just saying. Up, don't it doesn't change, mean I can't the... enjoy the movie. You suck a dick. You're the
1: one that said you didn't like movies. With I don't it not like it
2: gratuitously all the fucking time <laughs> as a running theme throughout the entire movie. <laughs> right,
1: fair enough. It's
2: not a running theme throughout the entire movie. It's pretty bad though. It is pretty bad, but that movie is still really good. I don't have any problem with it. I'm just saying. We need to do that movie i like Uh, that movie i haven't seen it forever
1: richard fire though he's actually only acted in like five roles period he, his last one was the quickie, which he acted in thirteen years after Poltergeist Three. Jesus. So he's more of a writer, I would assume. Uh, although I think he, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, he also also in this movie is Nathan Davis, who plays Reverend Henry Kane, because 2.0. obviously Beck was passed away shortly after the second one. Um, he was the grandfather in the movie Holes. He was also in the movie Chain Reaction with Keanu Reeves and uh, Morgan Freeman. He was also in Tough Guys, Flowers in the Ass, Ugh.
2: Flowers in the Attic. Ah,
1: Flowers in the Attic. Yes, <laughs> not ass.
2: It's a Lifetime movie. Ah, we'll just we don't have a vase. We'll stick him here. Major Lifetime movie, by
1: the way. <laughs> yeah, All it was actually a good movie though.
2: Sequels. How many have there been? Four.
1: Yeah, it was like that, and Mommy Dearest are probably like yeah. some of the biggest TV movies. Anyway, crazy. She. Uh, he was also in Risky Business as well. Now, the budget for this movie was an estimated ten points. 5 million. So they kind of went back to the original budget and said, hey, let's try to do something with it.
2: Which is crazy, right? Yeah, it is a little bit. It's crazy.
1: Opening weekend in the U.S., it made 4.3 million, which is horrible. Womp, womp. Gross in the U.S. was 14 million. So they barely barely just made budget back. Pretty much solidified canning the franchise, although they did have ideas for the fourth one. and We'll talk about that later. So, Brittany, what are your thoughts on this fantastic film?
2: I really liked it. <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to get so much fucking shit for this, but I actually really liked this movie. Okay. I well. really liked it. I, I enjoyed so much more of it than I really thought I was going to. Um, But I was entertained from start to finish. Okay. Like, I, it was fun. It was so 80s to me, which was great
1: it was dipping into the 90s for sure it was definitely dipping into the 90s kind of schlocky 90s stuff i
2: did really enjoy it and this was the first one in the entire and the first of the franchise that actually killed someone
1: i thought somebody died in the first one Mm -mm. you sure because i read that too and it said
2: Mm -mm. uh, okay they didn't kill none of the actual characters were like the ghosts and shit didn't kill anybody. Okay. In the first or the second movie, but in this one they do. And so they took it to an extra level. Um but I liked I really I really enjoyed the theme in this one that the spirits were being held within the mirror. Right. It was um, kind of a
1: unique spin.
2: It was. It was a different spin. It was a different story. It was a way to But this can be argued though that this is its own film, right? It's not in any way related to the first two, other than the fact that Heather O'Rourke is in it.
1: Yeah, well, she got
2: she's in it. She's still Carol Ann. Like that is the primary link that they have right and then zelda rubenstein is the other primary link right she they're both involved they were involved in every movie they were the
1: anchor anchor they are uh, the anchors
2: that they're what tied it together right so i can understand where people come from where they say this is its own fucking movie it's not part of the trilogy but i i think it is
1: which by the way we didn't we didn't mention this in part two um the the girl we did mention that in the first movie, the the daughter, the older daughter, uh, passed away in real life, like the actual character, and Dominique. Dominique uh, Dunn. Yeah, she. Um, they didn't explain in the second one real well. They they had a scene that they cut out of the movie where they explained that she went to college for school, right? But they cut that out, so it didn't even make any sense. I don't but remember this them one,
2: explaining in this at all.
1: They said, "Oh, they explain in this movie why the parents don't." They were like. They? they pawn off her to pretty much because they can't deal with the, the ghosts.
2: Yeah. And so they send her to the sister. Right. But then right. the sister's already dealing with her new husband. They've only been married for a year. Right. And he's already dealing with her or his, his daughter from a previous marriage. Right. Right. So now she's got two kids that aren't even hers that she's right. like taking care of, which I actually appreciate the fact that they can make you believe that she loved these kids. Right. And that, I thought, was an interesting dynamic to her character. Oh, no, because you're they're right. they're not I her agree. fucking children. Yeah. And that was the whole thing. And that is, I guarantee you, the whole root behind the spirit and thinking that the evil spirit, thinking that they could completely finally take over Carol and bring her through, especially once they got everyone else except for her.
1: Right. They didn't count like, on the love that she really had. They didn't count on really the had. love that yeah. she
2: actually had because they're not her children. Right. And that that came to fruition in the end, which was fantastic and I loved it and that was just like a little subtle detail that you that you catch on to. but that was great.
1: Yeah, but they I have some thoughts on that. that too.
2: But um, I don't know. I still like I said I really I, I enjoyed this movie. It was fun. it was interesting. Um, I had a enjoyable experience from start to finish. I didn't hate it. It was much more easy for me to follow. Mm-hmm. um then the second one was not like the second one wasn't easy to follow it's just it wasn't as entertaining okay um I like I liked the entire theme that ran throughout this one I felt like it was more um explained okay. more easily explained more easily obtainable to everybody um it was ex- it was more accessible yeah okay. it was definitely more accessible um and it was just it was a little refreshing. Okay. I feel like where I can see people view this as its own standalone movie. A lot of people
1: don't like this one.
2: And I get that. But at the same time, I don't understand it (laughs) because I thought it was really fun. But there's a lot of redeeming qualities to it to me. But I don't know. Maybe they... I don't know. Anyway, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, I understand why people get upset about this film in particular. I I really do. Because, you know, you take a family that has been through so much together, a strong super strong family bond, especially after the second movie where the family couldn't defeat the evil unless they were together. Yeah. And and now all of a sudden they're just kicking their daughter out. Like, fuck you. Stop causing my family problems. You piece of shit. Right. And you know, it's like, it's kind of weird. You know, they take that one line from part two where the dad is like possessed and says the mom had, thought about getting rid of her and then actually do it in this one. Yeah. Which sort of spells disaster. Everything that that made the first two movies is pretty much gone in a way. Uh, You pick new people to cash grab essentially is what a lot of people think. I'm not saying that I agree with this and I'll get into that in a little bit. So I get it. Now, with that said, part three is missing the parents, which is very important. The brother, the original Reverend Henry Kane. But... We do get Heather O'Rourke. We get cool mirror effects that aren't exactly pulled off perfectly every time. But I have to give them some credit because they did a goddamn did good job. They did a
2: great fucking job. Yeah.
1: Trying to orchestrate the mimicking of actors is fucking hard.
2: That's insane. Yeah. yeah and like how they fucking did it is just, it's cool. They I probably went through job.
1: a lot of takes. Absolutely. Um, There is a lot of old school camera tricks that really work really well in this film. It's also got some wild ass practical effects. Uh, Although they are a little on the freaky, weird, kind of schlocky Schlocky. side. Yeah, 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 like It's still pretty creative for a movie that is missing so much of what got the franchise to that point. So one rather annoying trope that I hated in this movie and is pranced around like a dirty little trope slut is... Is that being of Dr. Seaton's unrational rationale where something crazy happens and he sees it and believes it's the power of suggestion He's so fucking or annoying. mass hypnosis rather than from some crazy shit that shouldn't make sense. I
2: hate his fucking character
1: one example I'll explain a little bit later it just it just bothers me when that's thrown in my face a lot yes but but it does carry the story on anyway and he is a science and rational trying to thinking person so he's just so freaked out by it that you know I guess,
2: He's trying to rationalize it. Yeah,
1: but it's so He's irrational to
2: have an actual scientific explanation as to why this is happening. So I completely get it, and I understand right. his role. However, I was super fucking glad when he was eight. Like, right, right. Like, oh yeah, X'd you, out. Like,
1: you he was enjoy so it, but fucking it, irritated. But it kind of, you know, like in a way though, I feel like he deserved a better death.
2: Agreed. You
1: know, like I don't like
2: more. Like, impactful than that. Yeah, like know? a little
1: slower, maybe a little Absolutely more. Absolutely uh, slower, sadistic. more
2: torturous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been great because I wanted to torture the fuck out of that. Yeah, bitch. he was really
1: getting on my he nerves. he was so fucking
2: irritating. Because, like,
1: well, we'll talk about the scene later on and I'll mention it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, I, I was surprised by the fact that Tom Skerritt who plays the uncle-in-law was so good at being like a father figure in this He's movie. Great. Uh he really honestly is pretty charismatic. Um seeing the aunt being less caring was a little weird. Um yeah. of the situation, but you know, she's just gotten married, so like you said, you know, but I still But she's not
2: blood relative to any of these kids. Right. So I get
1: it. And in Laura Flynn Boyle like sticking up for her little cousin, you know, like it, it's it's totally makes sense. So I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was a lot better than people give it credit. Agreed. I, you know, we recently did a poll on do you love horror.
2: I couldn't. Mouse and I both couldn't vote.
1: Really? Because it's too hard. We can't. It was supposed to be hard, man. We
2: can't. Mouse was like, "I don't know what to I can't." And we can't for you, vote. no am
1: for those of you that don't belong to "Do You Love Horror" on Facebook, it's a group that we made uh, to just like honor horror, and we have a, a really good group of people in there. Uh, not everybody always agrees on everything, but we're all pretty cool about it. Um, but we we I matched up Poltergeist, The Omen. And The Exorcist and said, which franchise is the better one? And everybody picked, I believe it was Poltergeist.
2: No. Yeah. I think it was between The Exorcist and The Omen.
1: Hold on. Well, no, it got updated today.
2: He's like, The Omen is my shit, but I also really love The Exorcist. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not picking. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not voting.
1: The Poltergeist did win. So far, anyway, the the poll is still open. I just, (laughs) I think I just left it open, and I think second was Exorcist, and then the last one was Omen.
2: Sorry, but shenanigans. A a lot
1: of people feel like the Omen is the better one, but I just think that when we're talking about as a whole, a franchise as a whole, like a lot of people were debating that Poltergeist and Exorcist and they were saying the exorcist was the better had the better film but as a whole like i love exorcist 1 and 3 but the second one is garbage i hate Wait. it like and it's so bad that it's nowhere near the worst film in the poltergeist for me correct um, I agree. um and the omen is really good but they have a lot more i guess i don't know it's just it's a lot
2: well there's it, a lot of exorcist too well
1: no that's what i meant to say is that there is a lot in the exorcist um that are okay You know what I mean? Like one and three are my favorite. And those are the ones I like as a whole as a franchise, though. They've got a lot of more a lot more boo-boos in it. You know, Omen, same thing. Like two of them. I kind of like a lot. Um, But um, I mean, I still like, you know, what's his name? Sam fucking Neil. <laughs> what in the what, in the, what, Sam the, Neal? what in the Sam Neil? What <laughs> the Sam Neil? But I just feel like you know Poltergeist in particular is good. Now the third one I just
2: almost don't feel like it's fair in comparison though because I feel like Exorcist and Omen have so many more movies in the franchise than Poltergeist.
1: I but I don't think that's necessarily it. If they would have had three strong, strong ones in the in the Exorcist.
2: Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't agree.
1: Maybe I should vote. Well, go I ahead. I like, I can't.
2: This is too hard.
1: <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people felt like The Omen, too. It's split. You know, everybody has a different opinion. Well,
2: I'll tell you, Mouse, this is between The Omen and The Exorcist, and he can't choose. But you also two, have to I'm remember,
1: as a whole, as, an, as a franchise, right, as, a, as, as whole, a whole, it's not about which the is the better movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, like, it's more about, as a whole, the franchise. Like, you gotta look okay. at all the films and weigh it all out. Right. So, but... This movie, uh, a lot of people do get upset about it. They feel like it's garbage. Like I had one person say it was garbage. I don't necessarily agree with him. I can understand why he feels that way because they took everything from Poltergeist and killed it. Uh, <laughs> and but in the same respect, as a sort of standalone movie, it, it's super creative.
2: It's a great
1: It's it's really creative. Some of it's I don't know how you can it is really schlocky sometimes. Like some of the makeup effects is a little like all right, yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like,
2: yeah, but I mean- The whole garage
1: scene is kind of funky a little bit, too. I don't
2: know. You're going to hate it, though. I don't hate it like, at all. No, I'm not talking about you, but I mean, like, I don't know.
1: Wow some people some people have different experiences you know what I mean maybe right. maybe they really valued the relationship between Joe, Beth and fucking Craig you know like the the freelance. I did miss that you know and that was missing but it wasn't a bad replacement with fucking Tom Skerritt
0: no he did a great uh,
1: I thought he did a really good job he was really believable and I liked his like attitude towards Carol Ann and and to be honest I mean Carol Ann her in the first movie is not really showing her acting chops it was the second movie that she really did and in a, Third movie, you know, she doesn't do a bad job. Like I think she did. You know,
2: reverts a little bit though. But yeah, she's not as great. She feels more cued.
1: Right now, there is some, you know, some trivia about this movie. Some again, of course, with dealing with death. Um, As most of you may or may not know, uh, this was the last movie of Heather O'Rourke, who plays Carol Ann, who died of cardiac arrest. In fact, in January 1987, Heather began to have flu-like symptoms and her legs and feet swelled up. She was taken to Kaiser Hospital and they confirmed it was only the flu. But when the symptoms continued, they diagnosed her as having Crohn's disease disease which is a chronic inflammation of in the intestines. She was on a medication throughout the filming of this project uh, and which got let out in 1988. So uh, and her cheeks became puffy in some of the scenes. You can actually kind of tell she never complained during the filming and did not appear sick to other cast members. So when the filming was completed in June, Heather and her family went on a road trip from Chicago to New Orleans To Orlando and then all the way back to Lakeside where they lived at the time. And Heather was well until January 31st of 1988, Super Bowl Sunday it actually ended up being. Um, But she was unable to keep anything in her stomach and crawled into bed with her parents that night saying that she didn't feel well. The next morning, February first, sitting at the breakfast table, she couldn't swallow her toast or Gatorade. Her mother noticed her fingers were blue and her hands were cold, and so she called, they called the doctors and was getting ready to pull her uh, put her clothes on when Heather fainted on the kitchen floor. The paramedics came in and insisted that she was. And and Heather insisted that she was really okay and was worried about missing school that day. Uh, In the ambulance, actually, Heather suffered a cardiac arrest and then died on the operating table at 2.43 p.m. at the tender age of 12. It's pretty crazy, right? Well, the
2: whole thing is so fucked up because she gets misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease, right? But what was really going on is that she had a bowel obstruction, So she basically had this impaction of feces.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: And so what ended up happening from that is because of this impaction from feces, she ended up developing septic shock, which septic shock will fucking kill you. It is this rampant fucking infection that goes out throughout your entire body and affects all of your organs, all of your major organs, and will fucking kill you if it's not dealt with immediately. So by the time they finally fucking got her into surgery to repair the bowel obstruction her septic shock was so severe that it they couldn't repair it. Well, didn't
1: she have a cardiac arrest though? No, she,
2: that's what she ended up dying from ultimately, yeah. was cardiac arrest, but it was caused by the septic shock.
1: Oh, and the autopsy.
2: In the yeah, so that's what she died on the table from is ultimately what it determined was that it was the septic shock that put her caused the cardiac arrest and that's what she died. So that's she crazy. died on the operating table and she's a fucking baby. Wow. You know, and it was all from being misdiagnosed with Crohn's.
1: And the crazy thing was is when I was a kid there was a lot of rumor going around that people were saying and I remember like news reports and stuff like that that they were saying like that the movie was so scary that she died of being scared to death. Yeah, no. And it was like uh or or maybe it was just school schoolhouse fucking rumors you know that I heard in school. But I remember hearing that, and it was definitely not that she actually had some serious thing. But it only further exacerbated the curse story. Absolutely, for people to think, oh well, this this franchise is cursed.
2: Yeah, because now that's four people that have died between 1982
1: and 1988. Right, and
2: then there is two more. So, so it's just you know, and these are four people that are like two of them are main characters, essentially child actors um, that had unexplained. Essentially deaths or unnatural. Couple murders. Couple. Yeah. You know, it was a murder and then, you know, poor Heather passing away the way that she did. But then the other two were cancer and then a rare disorder. Right. Yeah. You know, and then. Several years down the line, people here trying comes to yeah another murder, and then Zelda Rubinstein passes away in 2010. I'm pretty sure from natural causes, though.
1: Actually, after after Heather O'Rourke passed away in February of 1988, after she finished her work on the film, uh, it was between April and June 1987 that they worked on the film. The decision of the director Gary Sherman was to temporarily shelve the project during its post-production phase. <laughs> However, due to the amount of money that had already been spent mgm insisted that the film be finished and released as scheduled for june of 1988 or they would find someone else to do it. Apparently, after the film was given a PG rating by the MPAA in November of 1987, the studio had already decided to have Sherman reshoot the ending to make it more graphic in order to kind of give it a PG-13 rating because they felt like that was the sweet spot. But uh, planning for the reshoot began in December of 1987 and continued into January 1988, but was temporarily put on hold when O'Rourke died February 1st. The reshoot, which used a stand-in for Heather, eventually took place in March, and the film was then re-edited and given a PG-13 by the MPAA in April. So Sherman, the director, who would later claim that no such reshoot took place, instead insisting that Heather died before they could film the original ending, and that the current ending, using the body double, was what they hastily threw together when forced to finish the film. So... It was contradicted, though, by at least six other people who also worked on the film who confirmed that the original ending was, in fact, filmed before Heather died and that the reshoot of the ending took place after her passing. So it's really confusing. Yeah. Um yeah, that, that was some of the uh, uh, crazy stuff that happened with this film. So it's kind of amazing that it still got put out. I don't think it's like, you know, I understand that maybe they want to put it on hold for the release and stuff because it's such a tragic time. Yeah, yeah, to be respectful. But, you know, a studio is a studio and they got to make their money, especially if it's already put in place to have a release date. Uh, that's a lot of money. Yep. Um, so I can kind of understand um, this movie in particular, by the way, Carol Ann's name apparently was set in this movie. Um, 121 times.
2: Which seems minimal to me. <laughs> I felt like it was said more Caroline, than
1: that. Carol Somebody <laughs> should go in and
2: Caroline. <laughs>
1: and edit the entire movie to say Carol That's it. Like, over, like, just the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like somebody should do that. Maybe we should do that.
2: Like, it's just a half an hour of Carol Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I have to count it, too, to make sure it's actually accurate, too. I almost
2: did, because I was like, I feel like 121 is very minimal, because I felt like I heard it way more. That's a than lot. That. That is a lot, but I'm like, there's scenes in particular where they say it like 40 fucking times Right. In like three minutes. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> fucking A. <laughs> I want to know how many times Caroline was said throughout the entire franchise. They're a one through three. That's what I want to know.
1: Oh, yeah. In in the movie, they, uh, Tom Skerritt actually also makes a reference to Brian De Palma's Carrie
2: he does. It to Nancy yeah. Allen
1: is his, his movie wife. It's great. It was since she was in the movie Carrie. Well,
2: she's not Carrie. So it's almost like
1: like Craig T. Nelson did.
2: Oh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, yeah. the
1: one flew over the cuckoo's nest one. Yeah, but Zelda apparently Rubenstein or Steen, I never get that I say right. Stein. Rubenstein. Yep. Uh, had to leave the production midway because of her mother's death. Apparently, so yeah. sad. And she got sucked into the wall, like into the mirror or whatever, but it was pretty crazy.
2: That was awesome.
1: Um, Also, after the filming of the scene where the cars chase Patricia and Bruce, the car's explosion set the entire set on fire, almost taking a crew member and a few cameras that uh, that guy was trying to rescue. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, when Heather O'Rourke showed up for the filming the next day and heard about the incident from the director, she was relieved that no one was hurt. She said, did you get the shot? (laughs) Like pure (laughs) show business. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure she's just real smart. Um, Apparently, like I mentioned this before earlier on, that there was going to be a part four, but because of the death of Heather O'Rourke, the media scandal about the poltergeist curse that kind of like made everything worse, kind of made it a a difficult thing. A lot of people didn't want to do it, I guess, apparently. And the disappointing box office, which is pretty much the real reason why there was no part four, kind of dissuaded the producers from continuing the film series. So, uh, you know, obviously it was rebooted in 2015 horribly, even though there are good things and good people involved in the movie. It just was not. It's like, first of all, guys, if you're going to take three movies that were used to make practical effects look good and then you make it into CGI, Mm -hmm. you're a fucking idiot. Yep. (laughs) Like... I don't care if the actors are bad but at least use practical effects. When will producers learn that there is a reason Never. why people fucking like these things and it's not a matter of just age and all this other stuff. It's just part of it. Especially if you're going to try to appease the fans, try to do it. Like I understand with like something like Ready Player 1 where it's not practical effects, it's all CGI but that's VR. Right. Makes sense. This doesn't. They fucked it up. Anyway, even some of the, you know, the writer actually even was on, the, on that thing. Like I said, there is good people involved. It's just, eh. But uh, what are some of your favorite scenes, Brittany? Like, what's a uh, favorite scene of yours? We'll try to get through these kind of quick.
2: Oh, let's see. I like when Zelda gets stuck through the mirror.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's
2: pretty fucking dope.
1: Well, she didn't get sucked, but her soul does. Whatever happens. Yeah. yeah. Like
2: her soul gets sucked to the mirror, whatever. Carol Ann's fucking character, like, grabs onto her through the mirror, and then, like. Tangina? Tangina. And all of a sudden.
1: I, I wrote Trangina. Tran-gina. <laughs> Misspelling, but I just, like, what the fuck did I write? All of a I sudden, read?
2: she's just like this dried up corpse, right? And then. But she looks like kind of like a cockroach thing.
1: Oh, yeah. And yeah. then
2: the older daughter, the guy's daughter, the oldest one, crawls through her.
1: That was fucking awesome. Which was amazing. So yeah.
2: she's just like, like crawling through this the face primarily and then all of a sudden she just like spurts out and it's like the daughter that's alive inside of Tangina's corpse. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, happen? it's all
1: meaty and weird. Yeah, it, kinda, it is weird. It kind of makes me want some carrot cake or meatloaf or something. Meatloaf.
2: <laughs> yeah. I wanted meatloaf.
1: <laughs> I don't know why, but it's just I, like. I
2: was, the whole time I'm like, hold the fuck? But yeah, then they just like grab her and take her in the shower and clean her off, and it's right. like, but it's not her. It's not really her. It's not really her.
1: Spoiler alert! Um, Which they
2: fooled me. Yeah. Totally. Oh no no! I yeah. didn't see that shit coming at all.
1: Because they do a good job of pretending. They
2: did a great fucking job. Her well, and then the dude. I was like, what
1: the story fuck? wise? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, in there's one cool. scene in the very beginning. Uh, when they're taking the elevator and it jerks and makes an evil laugh. And the aunt says, what's wrong? And like during this scene, I thought to myself like, wow, your problem seems to be that the elevator has become sentient and makes matters worse. It's laughing at you, ma'am. So we're going to need a new elevator technician? Ma'am, what you need is a priest. (laughs) I was like thinking of this whole thing. Like, uh, guys, there was an evil laugh. Uh, you might want to get that checked out. Yep.
2: You <laughs> might wanna call someone. Yeah. I, to get I don't
1: know why I had sometimes. a sippy silly, silly flap voice, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> I'm stupid, I know. That was just a little one, but I just thought it was funny. But there there was that scene where Caroline goes to the special school that they make fun of her for being at and you see a hand come up out of the desk and throw a mug into the mirror in front of the therapist. And this is the part that really drove me fucking nuts. And I have to mention it because he blames it on her mass hypnosis and manipulation. And it's a very hair pulling trigger for me at that moment because he's like, it's like an aha moment, but it makes no sense because he's like, oh, I see. Because the mirror breaks. The mug gets thrown. He sees the it's hand. Two
2: way mirror. Yeah, yeah. He
1: looks like both ways, like twice. He's like, huh? 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 And then it breaks the mirror and he ducks and the people on the other side are like, what the fuck? And he's like, and she had run out of the room already. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, ah, hypnosis, mass hypnosis. She simply suggested that I saw something in the mirror while simultaneously suggesting to you to tap on the mirror with your mug.
2: Yeah, i it stupid. It's like, what? Yeah. Well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> come the fuck on. <laughs> Oh, that pissed me off.
1: It's like, God damn. I mean, I know he's like a um, hypnosis.
2: Let's talk about how much that guy annoys me. Okay, go ahead. And going into my next favorite scene, when he gets fucking killed, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Um. Actually, it wasn't as satisfying as I wanted it to be. Right. Um, like we talked about. But yeah. the older sister, not sister, cousin, whatever, the older girl, um, character basically grabs him and throws him down the elevator shaft. Right. <laughs>
1: Well, it's kind of cool how he gets led there. (laughs) It's
2: fucking excellent.
1: He sees her. Like, I love the mirror stuff that they did in it. Yeah, it's so cool. Like,
2: this, like, double-mirror thing. Like, something else is going on on the other side of the, the normal side. There's, like, reality, and then there's, like, this other sense of reality going on on the other side of the mirror. Right. Well, it's right? like a like purgatory where, almost, yeah, yeah, like that's where the spirits are held on the other side of the mirror, right? And I, I don't know. It was really fucking cool.
1: It's like the buffer between reality. Right. The other side of the mirror, which is cool. I, I think it's a cool idea, like what they did with it. But yeah. I loved it. I thought it
2: was, he re- sees, it was interesting.
1: He sees Carol and he follows, he sees her run down the mirrored hallway, which she's only on the mirrored side. Yep. And he follows her, but doesn't see it. And then goes to the elevator and the doors keep shutting on him and he tries to open it up and then the Lara Flynn Boyle character, Donna, pushes him down the, the well. Or the well. Shaft. The fucking, the,
2: yeah, the well shaft. She shoves yeah. him down the elevator shaft to, like <laughs> to his death and you just hear like...
1: And then Samara comes crawling out yeah. of the well. Uh, like You
2: just hear this splat and you're like... Uh... <laughs> and then eventually, like the elevator comes up, and you see like the corpse on top of it. And then later on, he's like insanely aged.
1: Right. That is kind of weird. Well, I no guess. Sense. Well, I mean, Tangina looked like a mummified fucking corpse.
2: Right. So I guess that's the whole point of So it, the
1: evil know. is like sucking You're the really life old. out Sucks of them. The yeah. the
2: life out of you and turns you into like a dusty corpse. Right.
1: Kind of like the mummy.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: Stupid. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: that I was like, just be a regular corpse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only other the one that I liked was the the sort of the end scene, um, where Pat the aunt chops off the Reverend's head and it kind of melts. Dope. And then he comes walking back. Yep. I thought that was really cool. I love that scene. Uh, another little mini one was the one where uh, Carol Ann she puts her hands on the mirror.
2: Oh, in the beginning. And
1: the fingers come over her hand and then pull her up. That was cool. Like I was like, how did they? How do, that. do that yeah like i was like that's really cool i know they
2: used like stunt doubles on the other side of the mirror to mimic reactions but
1: i think that the legs were kicking exactly the they same side so I, I was kind of yeah, wondering how they did it the same
2: on right that. and that whole like scene everything was mirrored identically
1: i don't think that was like one of those kind of things i, don't I think, think so either i think they just had some way of like moving her around awesome maybe they just moved the mirror
2: yeah up? i don't know it was cool all i know is it was cool
1: now, there is an original ending that we talked about kind of briefly where it is different than the original ending, the one that you guys probably have seen. If you've seen this movie in the original ending that was scrapped uh, after Heather O'Rourke's tragic death, Patricia jumps through the glass pane into the apartment. She finds Carol Ann, Donna, Scott, Bruce and Tangina frozen and dying. She then also becomes imprisoned in ice and gets attacked by Kane and her evil mirror reflection who wants the necklace. Patricia tries to repel them against or uh, 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 repel them, and declares unconditional love for her family but trips over a frozen Dangina and falls on the floor. KLM <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just funny. I just imagine. oh Caroline. Caroline. She just trips over. And she's like Carolina. Uh, but she trips and falls over uh, Tangina Trey. on the floor. <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Suddenly Tangina frees her arm. <laughs> I can't get over. I can't get over it. Okay. Triangina. She trips over her on the floor and suddenly Tangina Gina frees her arm from the ice and grabs the necklace. She convinces Kane that she is the one who can take him to the other side, which is like this one in a way. Okay. Not Carol Ann. Kane puts his hand on the necklace, but instead of ascending, his face cracks and he explodes. Neat. The blast frees everyone but annihilates Tangina and causes a violent thunderstorm. Patricia, Carol Ann, Donna, Scott, and Bruce finally leave the mirror dimension. Carol Ann sees the reflection of smiling Tangina in the mirror who waves at them and sheds a tear with the shot of a rising morning sun. And the movie ends. And then Tangina drops a log on the ground as she's walking. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry I, was scared I did I, I, I did, did.
1: <laughs> but yeah and then she tra-
2: Carol Ann Carol Ann <laughs>
1: she breaks her arm like it Carol- shatters oh god
2: Carol god damn you
1: Carol Ann. <laughs> you little bitch <laughs> don't trip over my leg
2: fuck you Carol <laughs> <laughs> Caroline. <Ann. laughs>
1: but uh so uh what are your final thoughts on this movie in particular and then we'll 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 pick a winner
2: I it's pretty obvious, but he had fun. I liked it. I feel yeah. like everybody should just watch it. Just fucking watch it. Shut the fuck up. It's not first... terrible. It's not amazing, but it's not fucking terrible either.
1: And then, and none of the sequels do it do the first one justice. No. So like, who it, cares? It's still the first one, in my opinion, is the best.
2: The winner is number one. Right. But three is, is still original. good to watch. Fuck, but three is still super fun. Fucking watch it, enjoy it. Even if you want to look at it as its own, at as, as its own entity, fine. If that's how you feel, cool. Whatever. Fucking watch it. It's worth it. It was entertaining. I really liked it. It had a lot of cool qualities to it. Like, it was more entertaining to me than the second one. So, there's that.
1: First one's a classic.
2: First one's amazing.
1: Yeah, first one's the best. I don't
2: give a fuck what anybody says. Now
1: here's a question: What do you guys think the fourth one would have been? And this is what my thoughts are. I thought about like okay, obviously Carol, Carolan, Carolan <laughs> grows. Sorry guys, it's I know it's repetitive, um, but she grows up. She becomes kind of an outcast kid in a way, but she has these powers, kind of like Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. And somehow something happens in the future. You know what I mean? That they come back for her and take over, but she has the power to fight these things with her mind. Well, when that blow your mind yeah I mean it could be done kind of cool but it probably would have been better if they had done it in the 80s or something you know maybe maybe if it is fast forward to the future I guess she would have to be older she's a teenager or some sort uh, I think it would be kind of cool like if they would have done that all right cool what do you guys think do you think that would have been a good idea or you're just like fuck it they've ruined everything on the third one
2: carol <laughs>
1: Uh, But yeah, guys, um, that's it for Alex's birthday. Poltergeist trilogy. I hope that we've done it somewhat justice. And and I'm definitely curious to see what you guys think about what we talked about. I mean, do you agree with us on some of these things? Uh, What are your thoughts about it? Um, I put a lot of thought into it, especially because we did that poll.
2: Yeah.
1: And then watching it again, I really was like kind of hyper focused on why I would like and I and I went into the part three you know thinking you know oh yeah well I don't remember being that bad but in the same regards I understand so I try to look at it from both sides but I really feel like it's not a bad movie nope I think it's creative it's Um, not a bad movie it's definitely not the first one but nothing ever is nope second one I was a little taken back that it wasn't as good as I remembered it because it's been a while so maybe you are right about that. But what do you guys think? I want to know. How would you rate these in order?
2: Carol Ann. Carol Ann.
1: God damn it. Fucking Tangina. Yeah.
2: Tangina, gina <laughs> Carol Ann.
1: Uh, uh, so like so yours is in order of one, three, and two.
2: One, three, and two.
1: Mine's one, two, and three.
2: Oh. Just because... Just a order.
1: I can't because of Joe Beth and T... Uh, I, they Craig almost T. win it
2: for me, but right. no, it's one, three, and two.
1: Plus that fucking puking of the worm scene, that pretty whole dope. fucking thing is pretty badass. But that,
2: like, last 30 minutes kind of lost it's me. freaky,
1: man. That shit was freaky to me as yeah, a kid.
2: that last 30 minutes, I was like, this is stupid. Right. <laughs> I just, I can't.
1: Um, do you guys have any other favorite scenes in these movies that we didn't mention? Sound off in the comments. Let us know what your thoughts are below. And guys... Uh, Thank you very much. I'm sure that I had some people on the stream uh, for the... Twitch stream, and I th- want to thank everybody. Uh, I'm old, and I hate it. And uh, don't go old. If enjoy your life while you still got it, you pieces of shit. Don't because kill. you never realize that how much you have until you're too old to fucking not do anything anymore. And yeah, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm fucking dying.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay,
1: yeah. I'm gonna go to the light. Caroline. All right. And I hope that if I go... I go to
2: the light, yeah. I if go I go away from the if... light, where do I go? Yeah.
1: If I go to the light, you guys have a catalog of idiot me talking <laughs> about my dumb shit here Uh, but do us a favor share this episode with your friends let people know Uh, we greatly appreciate you guys and if you like don't forget we have a VIP club thing that we're doing we're waiting on I think it's like 8 more we had 2 since then so we're waiting on 8 more entries to do a giveaway yeah we feel that that's pretty reasonable for a $20 gift card right all you have to do if you haven't already sign up at at the VIP club on our website at longlivethevoid.com and you can win Next week, though, we got our buddy Mike Saga coming into town.
2: Mighty Mike
1: So he says, so if he backs out, I'll Kill him. show him this episode and be like, you said it and you you disappointed you all the fans. have do it, you piece of shit. If you guys remember, we did a Grave Plots episode with him and Jordan uh, and Patrick back last year for my birthday. So he's missing it just by a little bit, but he'll probably be screaming happy birthday. He'll be
2: screaming the whole time. <laughs>
1: But I hope you guys stick around for next week. We'll see you guys then.
2: Stay weird, monsters. You have been listening to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode.